got a fever. And the only prescription is more... This yo, yo. is the Cigar Authority. It's the biggest helicopter leasing event in the Western Hemisphere since 1997. The Authority. Like Kobayashi. On everything cigar. The cigar takes time. Yeah. That's the whole key. And out of the cigar industry. Did you know? With your host. Hey, D-Man. David Garofalo. But who are you? Julius Caesar? Who the hell is Julius Caesar? You know I don't follow the NBA. Mr. Jonathan. I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. Barry and Chuck Morrison. 60% of the time, it works every time. It's time to light them up. Screw it, let's let them do it. It's time. It's a win-win for me. For the Cigar Authority. I gotta have more. Ah! July 9th, 2016, broadcasting live from the La Flor Dominicana Cigar Studios. And from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust and Sober Mesa Cigars, Steve Saka joins us live with not one, but two new cigars. Also, we have some cigars to give away. The Cro-Magnon Firecrackers, four five-packs for, for last week's listeners of the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Cigar Authority. And you're listening to the Cigar Authority, the only radio show in the U.S. and, yes, the world that is always broadcast on location and we are the only show that doesn't just allow smoking. We insist, we demand that you light up along with us. You tune in at thecigarauthority.com where you can watch us live or catch the podcast on demand at any time. Simply find us on iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, or Google Play where you can set it and forget it. And without any further ado, when we brought him right on at the beginning of the show, welcome back to the Cigar Authority, Steve Saka. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Good. Great to have you. I see you traveling an awful lot. And finally, you make it back home. So uh, you come on the show uh, before the IPCPR with not one but two new projects that you got coming out. True or false, the only reason you're really here on the show is we threatened to interview your wife. Uh, there's a lot of truth to that. Plus, I needed clean underwear. So I had to come home. <laughs> had to come home. That was it. Yeah. So um, president of Drew Estates, uh, they, then you retire from there a year ago. Um, you show up at the IPCPR showing, not tasting, your new stuff, but showing it. Couldn't pull that off this year. This year we're going to actually have to not only taste it, but sell it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you guys ready? Uh, uh, meaning, is the cigar ready? Are you ready to Oh, yeah, do absolutely. This? Look, this I, I would have been ready last year, but the way my non-compete worked, I wasn't allowed to actually ah. manufacture cigars until 30 days prior to the trade show. So... Um, you know, there was nothing worth smoking. They were all just soggy, wet pieces of crap. So. Okay. I, I see. Um, it's quite the sales pitch you have there. Yeah, I'm being honest. Yeah, I hear <laughs> as much as 800 new SKUs coming out for General Cigar, uh, maybe about 160 new SKUs on Davidoff, 400 and something uh, coming from Altadis. Everybody is, is rush to sale of their product, but you consider your product ready ready to go. Yeah, look, okay. I mean, this is the dilemma that we're all faced with. We have this relatively arbitrary August 8th date that got handed to us on May 10th, and we don't know exactly how the rules and regulations are going to be implemented or what the end result's going to be. Nor do they and, know at this point. Right, nor do yeah. they know. So we're pretty much being told that if it isn't in the marketplace prior to August 8th, then we may not be allowed to ever get it into the marketplace. So what you have is you have companies saying, hmm, what is everything that I may want to do in the future and trying to compress it between now and then? Uh, the sad part is, yes, there's a lot of people rushing a lot of things to the market. 
I think a lot of what we as consumers are going to get are a lot of half-baked, half-done cigars. Absolutely. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of cigars put in boxes under certain names that aren't legitimately what those cigars actually are going to be or what they're actually going to taste like when the manufacturer ends up deciding to uh, bring them to market. Which, how is that even possible? Because you, you Again, don't you have to make it exactly the same? It's supposed to, but how can anyone really tell? I mean, we don't even know what the standards are yet. Are they going to be asking us to disclose the country of origin? Are they going to be asking us to disclose seed origins? Are they going to be asking us to... Is it going to be just as simple as, hey, it's natural tobacco, it's water, and it's some sort of vegetable-based adhesive? Is that what the disclosure is going to be? Well, if that's the case, well, all we're all going... We're all, all cigars are the same, which would be the argument that I would make. I mean, for all effective purposes... All cigars are relatively the same. They're all made out of the same basic three ingredients. We just don't know to what level or depth they are going to require. And it's this ambiguity in the regulations that forces everybody to, you know, try to do this because we just don't know. It's certainly not a situation that any of us are happy with. Um, You know, in my particular case, I'm lucky that I was working on a bunch of blends over the last year. I had no intentions of bringing them all to market before August 8th. My intention was over the next five, six years to bring these brands out in a much more systematic way that would make more sense. But as a result, I'm forced to bring things into the marketplace that I necessarily wouldn't. With the same thing being said, primarily my focus is going to be on what I intended on it being for this trade show. It's going to be the extension on Sober Mesa that I always had intended, and it's going to be launching the Broadleaf blend that I intended to release, the Mikay Rita. And the other stuff, uh, yes, I will sell it, but uh, I'm not really going to put a lot of effort into, uh, into marketing. The only thing that I know is, at least in my case, when somebody buys it, they're either going, it's legit. They can either, they're going to say, well, I like it, I don't like it, it sucks, it doesn't suck. It isn't a cigar that just got thrown into a box. Now, I will say that uh, the packaging isn't perfect. There are, there are some digitally printed bands on one of them. You know what I mean? That, yeah, there are real bands being printed, but right now, every box maker, every printer worldwide that supplies packaging for the cigar guys, they're just going totally bonkers trying to get stuff out. So, I mean, getting a guy to make a box in Nicaragua literally requires 1000 bucks in cash in a brown paper bag right now. That's how bad things have gotten because everybody is trying to get things in. And this has to do with the fact that the way we interpret the rules currently is that we will never be allowed to change the packaging counts within the boxes. Yeah. So, in other words, if this is coming in a 20-count bundle, it always has to come in a 20-count bundle. If this is coming in a 21-count box, it always has to come in a 21-count box. So that's forcing us to do all of these things on a very, very short time schedule. And uh, so right now, companies are just they're just doing what they think is the most responsible thing. Right, just guessing. Thing. Just guessing. Yeah, I mean, what choice do you really have? Right. All right, let's, let's light up the cigar anyway. Uh, I, want, I need a cigar right now. Um, this is the Sober Mesa. So this is the same exact Sober Mesa, but we're just talking about a different size? No, no, no. Uh-huh. Um, there's two Sober Mesas being introduced at this year's trade show. There's an Elegante and Cedrus, which is a 7x50 Churchill wrapped in cedar. And then there's this one, a short Churchill. It's 4 and 3 quarters by 48. And both of them are slightly different blendings of the core Sober Mesa. Um, I made both of these cigars to be a bit stronger, a little bit more peppery, uh, you know, to try to appeal to a, to a wider audience that uh, may find Sober Mesa to be a little too soft for them, and also to appeal to myself because I find that uh, I like the blend 
with the pepper level kicked up just a bit. And so how will somebody know this cigar is the different blend than the uh, others? Because um, this one's pronounced so Burmesa. Yeah, there That's you go. You know. I mean, the way they're going to know is the boxes are going to come in 13-count and 14-count uh-huh. smaller boxes, and there will be a stamp applied to the box that will indicate that they're Poca Mas Intensa. But the single itself, they're not going to be able to look. Somebody That's your job, it. dude. Work it out. Work it out. Hey, <laughs> this is the way it's going to be out there, so just so you know, People are going to have to figure out a lot of things as it's going on because you can't add anything after. You're not even going to be able to add a sticker onto it, anything. Nothing. That's, that's, that is the current interpretation. Yeah, that's what Plus, two, at. there's another issue. Yeah. Um, I don't even know that identifying anything the way the regs read, I don't know that we will ever be able to identify anything as being stronger or milder because that's one of the things that's in the current way the interpretation of the rules are that these type of flavor descriptors will no longer be allowed to be used to describe something as stronger, milder, medium. So actually, I don't know that we'll actually be legally allowed to tell you that this cigar is stronger than the other cigar. But, but my point is a person's not going to know that's going to be handed a single of this. Oh, I like that cigar, but in this shape, I never had it before. Therefore, it's stronger. A second band a different color footband or something on it, as simple as that, to indicate that to somebody. And if you could have gotten a Dutch printer to print it since May 10th, right. good luck to you. Nobody right. could have. And they're not going to allow that to happen at a later date. We don't know. Yeah. But currently the way it's being interpreted, the answer is no. Right. It's terrible. So we just, we just don't know. And, it's, and it really serves no purpose at all other than the fact of just being difficult. It certainly doesn't do anything to... Uh, to you, protect youth smoke from, yeah, youth you, from smoking or... You, you would think for, they, they would want to protect to let me know that this one is stronger, let that be allowed again, or something, but they don't. They, they don't even want those terms to be used. Right, right. The term strong, the term mild. Uh, you know, these are, th- these are things that they really don't understand the cigar market, and they don't understand our consumers. They don't understand how we, as cigar smokers, approach cigars. Uh, they're from a framework that the only reason why people smoke is because they're addicted to nicotine. They don't have any comprehension of the premium cigar smoker, why he chooses to smoke, what he finds appealing in it, or why a, a premium pipe person enjoys the different varieties of pipe tobacco. Because they just look at it as a drug. They don't understand yeah. the, what, what, what we as cigar smokers are about or the products that we enjoy are about. Well, we tried to tell them, nor do they care was the answer right at the end of that. Right now, it's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting is brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand. While all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. We have a uh, special visitor today. We have a lot of visitors. but uh, Special visitor because he came up and introduced himself to me as Vin from Jersey. Yep. And I know him because he signs his uh, letters in the mailbag as Vin from Jersey. You know what I like about him? He, he brought presents. Back in. He comes packing. And he got us each what we both exactly like. Exactly what we want. I wanted the broccoli. I don't know Jonathan about that. I wanted the, the Twinkies. <laughs> Dave, I'm expecting you to share one of those. Of course. <laughs> I'll, give you a, I'll give you a piece of Actually, broccoli, Barry. two of those. I expect two of those. There we go. <laughs> All right. So I just tasted this. Tastes like Sober Mesa. Doesn't. Tastes uh, like barbecue ribs. Mm. Short ribs specifically, not the long ones. Because this is the this is the short robusto, 
which is a Robusto. Short Churchill. Churchill. Short Churchill. Yeah, why not just call it a Robusto? Well, because it's actually not a Robusto. Robustos <laughs> are traditionally 50 ring gauge or greater, and uh, Churchill's a 48 ring gauge, and that's what this one happens to be. So it's 4.75 by 48 makes it a short Churchill. Is, is there any chance that a Toro could be a 48 ring gauge? No. Only a Churchill. Well, yeah. Well, I'm just saying classically. First off, Toro is not even a classic size. Toro is an Americanized size that came out of the U.S. market. In fact, that's the reason why in Sober Mesa I call the Toro the El Americano because uh, it is a distinctly unique American size. Was that Tiamo that did it? Uh, well, Tiamo always used the word Toro just because of the association with the bull, but yes. Yeah. I think that uh, they're probably one of the first brands that really co-opted using the term Toro as a regular production item. The cigar is strong. You have, have lit it up? I haven't lit it because we haven't done our commercial for the official lighting. Okay. Brought to you by the Vertigo Cyclone 2 featuring the extra-large big-ass tank that is patented by the folks at Vertigo. They do have a, an oversized adjustment wheel at the bottom, making the flame adjustment very easy. Uh, only downside, you know what, for $14.99, I'll take it, is you do have to flip the top up oh. manually, but they've got a double wall protection here so the lighter it's doesn't heat up. The only exercise I get all day is flipping the top. I get lighter. That's about it. I got, uh, I got some exercise news in the asylum for yeah? you that okay. I think you'll hate. All right. So $14.99, the Vertigo Cyclone 2. This is a good one for travel. You put this in with your shaving stuff, and they assume it's a little perfume or something like that, and it always gets through. Good God. So, definitely early aggressive. In your face right off, right off the bat. I think so. It has, has yep. a bit more pepper. A bit more. A bit more. Yeah. It's the, I think the, you're a wussy. I, I wouldn't say it's that aggressive. Early aggressive. I mean, much more than the, than the regular. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely a more intense blending of sober maize. So there's no doubt about that. Because everybody mean, I, has to get a scale and have to say, what is the strongest okay. cigar? And let's take okay. call that Ahoy de Nicaragua. No, no, no. Like you guys, you guys just got your, your crazy uh, Fire firecrackers yes. in from Skip, right? It's a 10. I was, I was in Nicaragua all last week. Uh, Skip and I had dinner together, and he gave me one of those. That cigar is a legitimate 10. Okay. Okay, that's a strong-ass little cigar. So I don't have to feel like a wuss yeah, because I, mean, I this, wanted to tell you. This is an 8.5? Yeah, this is, yeah, exactly. All right. 8. 8.216. Just to be wrong. 8.5. Yeah. I nailed it. God, say it. It's okay. They're all here. You can say it. I nailed it. It's mm. an 8.5. Early on, anyway. We'll see as it, as it goes uh, as I smoke into it, but right off the bat, in the nose, spicy as can be, right on the tip of the tongue. This is uh, black pepper infused. Wow. You're smoking it right, Derek. Yeah. What do you Dark think? Chocolate. I mean, skip these guys. Let's get some guy that really knows. I like it. It has it has kind of a, a leathery back note to it. But do you it find it has... uber sharp, strong, the way Dave's describing it? No, well, I, my uh, my palate, I'm used to stronger smokes. It's what I prefer. Right. So this one's like, for me, it's going to be... Why do we let the Connecticut Shade guy <laughs> give cigar references? I, I smoke everything. <laughs> I smoke everything and I just I, give the truth. Yeah, I mean, I, I like this. It's not it, like it, you're an advertiser. Again, right? I have to kiss up to you. <laughs> I'm just going to tell the truth. It's, it definitely has beef to it. It's got beef to it. It has a, a little bit more of a kick and flavor. It's nice, naturally sweet. It's, it's good. I like it. So it's right up Jonathan's alley because he's all about the beef. Uh, ah. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so um, the other one is 
is cedar wrapped. Right, the elegante and cedros. Box Does that of, do anything for the flavor? Box of 13 also? Yeah, you know, the cedar over time will, will impart a flavor to the wrapper, but it normally takes a few months at a minimum. And really to get the full impact, it, it really takes a year to two years before you really start to get the cedarness. Um, you know, I don't know whether it's mental or anything, but, I mean, almost everybody that smokes this goes, oh, yeah, I taste the cedar right away. But I don't know how much of that's just, you know, oh, I saw the cedar, I took the cedar off, so hence I'm thinking cedar. Um, but, it, I mean, overall, I mean, the cedar is really more just a, a different presentation and more than anything else. Now, you could put the cedar on the cigars that are stronger, and that could be your signature. Oh, you think so? I'm just throwing it out there. Hmm, interesting. Hmm, would, okay. that, would that be changing the packaging? It would be. Well, if he does but it before it August 8th. If I do it before August 8th, a little late now because i got hundreds of these boxes coming. Oh, my God. What a shame. What a shame that they may. And not only that. The, the craziness of the amount of work you have to do, the cost must be seriously prohibitive. Well, I think the thing that's really problematic is, I mean, the front end of any cigar is where all the money is. So you spend a tremendous amount of money on development. So you're making a lot of products that really you have no chance of financially getting any sort of cash return on in the near term. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is since we don't know what the pathway is going to be to substantial equivalency, we don't even know that we will be able to afford to even try to get these cigars ultimately remaining in the marketplace until we get some understanding of what the, SA, uh, the substantial equivalency pathway is and what the HPHC, the harmful and potentially harmful constituency testing is. I don't know whether fiscally it's going to even be possible for these new products to stay in the marketplace. Do you, in the event that it just looks like you can't do cigars anymore, do you have an exit strategy? Um, well, no, I don't have an exit strategy. This is my life. So, I mean, now, luckily, I'm, I'm, I like to think I'm smarter than the average bear. So when I was developing uh, Mi Querida, Sobremesa, Sin Compromiso, Todos Las Dias, I had already been basing them off predicate brands and predicate blends. <clears throat> so the only thing that I have that is really going to be a true substantial equivalency, hey, it's a cigar, it's like every other cigar, is going to be the Muestra de Sacas. And the reason for that is because the Muestra de Sacas are seven unique individual blends. So they are all distinctly different. And there was no way <clears throat> for me to have any sort of legitimate predicate claim to any of those particular blends. So those ones are going to be kind of out in the wind, and it's going to really depend on the implementation and execution as to what the FDA actually requires or does not require. And, of course, what the costs are. Yeah. So uh, I saw that you uh, have not put all your eggs in one basket. You bounced around a little this time? I don't understand the question. What does that mean? Did you change factories? Well, I never changed factories. I mean, look, Sobra Mesa is made at Hoya de Nicaragua. Um, the new Broadleaf cigar is being made at, uh, at Noxa. Um, you know, the guys at Oliva Tobacco Company, and just for the listeners, there's two different Olivas in the cigar business. There's Oliva, what we call Alavita which are the small Olivas, which are the cigar makers that just got bought out by Jay Cortez, which I called, by the way. Here we go. And um, also, and then there's Oliva Tobacco Company, which is the growers of some of the finest materials in the world, particularly wrappers. And uh, I wouldn't have been able to release Sober Mesa had it not been for Oliva Tobacco Company because they were willing to set aside very good materials without me giving them any money. Nice. That allowed me to make Sober Mesa. 
Um, and as part of that, it's who you know, it's who you know. And part of that deal was they own a factory. Part owners of a factory called it used to be called Noxa. It's now called Noxa. Um, and uh, just to be blunt with you, it's uh, it's notoriously been known as a relatively bad factory. They make economy bundle brands, a lot of short fill, mixed fill, sandwich cigars. But they really wanted to broaden the factory to bring it up to par. They want to continue to make the economy products that they make because they sell very well. But they also wanted to get into making more higher value, better quality premium handmaids. So part of the quid pro quo was that they would do this for me on the tobacco side. And then after I got done with Sober Mesa, that I would come over and work with them at Noxa to uh, get them to, uh, you know, just implement some new uh, operational changes and some different methodologies and uh, help work with them to make a better quality cigar. And so, uh, so from day one, uh, the Broadleaf blend was always intended to be made over at Noxa. Okay. What it sounds to me like is that you, in fact, are working on a bit of a s- exit strategy in the event that you needed, you could be a consultant. Uh, yeah, great. You could go into the <laughs> factory for a year. Get get you know no. draw a salary from them whatever that no, is. No, this and is then... the this is the this guy and I've known Steve for a lot a lot of years. He finally did the ultimate thing was create his own brand and his own company. And this was only eight months ago that the cigar came out, and here it is. Talk about bad timing. The worst thing that happens is you have the government literally at the point of ready to stomp people out. It, at the very least, end up going to take all his money away. At the very least. But virtually at, at the point of possibly trying to stomp people out, uh, and this is just so wrong as it is. It is wrong. Um, I think the worst thing about it is that there's really no difference between a brand that was in the marketplace prior to 2007 of course and not. a cigar that's being made today. In fact, those pre-2007 brands are being made in the very same factories today on the same benches next door to the brand that's made right. after 2007. So there's actually no difference in any way whatsoever between the pre-2007 brands and the post-2007 brands. And wouldn't you think things have improved every year? Things improve a little better and better? Quality? Cleanliness? But again, everything has got better and better? you have to understand that... You remember that of course, in, in, in but the 90s, but the, for God's sakes. But the FDA has not... They don't... They don't care about the quality of the cigars. Isn't it dangerous, really, to draw that comparison, though, to say that the cigars, there's no difference between cigars after 07, just in case the FDA says, okay, then, if they're all the same, then they all go away? Let me say this. No. As much as I hate this, I would actually feel better if they took the more principled position and said, hey, everything's illegal. Right. At least that's a principled position. This nonsensical position of this is okay and this is not okay makes no logical sense in any way whatsoever. And then when they're going to create a price to say you can bring a new product on, but let's say for a round number, it's $300,000 to bring a new product to market. And they're saying that this stuff kills you. They're saying the license to kill is $300,000. But here's the problem. You can buy it. See, I'm not – listen, I'm very concerned. These regulations are very serious. But I'm not ready to jump into the 300K of brand hyperbole. I, I, am, I am at the point now where what I want to understand is I want to understand the rules and I want to understand the regulations and I want to see how the FDA is going to implement them. Because ultimately what I want to do is I just want to be able to manufacture a legal product and continue selling it. That's what I want to do. I think that, um, I think that uh, I'm still – it's going to be difficult. 
but I do believe that there is going to be a way for our industry to survive. Now, what's critical is that the pressure still gets continues to be maintained to get with the FDA. Uh, we had a letter addressed to them just this week from seven of the senators who are in support of our industry to you know chastise them for their actions. Uh, very important at the end of this year, there is an exemption that out of, coming out of the Ag Committee has made. It's going to be in the omnibus. There will also be a challenge on the uh, on the date. In addition to that. So these things are going to be something that we as people in our industry are going to ask for consumers to please contact their senators and congressmen come when the omnibus comes up to hopefully get that through. That would be a tremendous help. There is going to be litigation on some of these issues, but the issue with litigation is you really can't litigate issues until they've actually really done something. In other words, they've published a lot of rules, but they haven't actually executed and implemented most of these rules. So until they actually do something other than just something on paper saying they're going to do something, a lot of these issues are not what we call ripe in legal terms. They have to be ripe. They actually have to happen and actually show harm. And at this point, we don't really know what those levels are going to be. I'll give you an example of an issue that's ripe. When they did the same rules to the cigarette people, the cigarette people had almost a full year to get products into the marketplace. Unlike us, we essentially had 90 days. That's an example of an issue that's ripe. Why did the other tobacco products get a full year and where the cigar industry only got 90 days? Well, and they only got a two-year look back. Right. We and got a nine-year look back. Right. That's another issue that is a, an issue that would be considered ripe. Another issue, the products that got released between February of 2007 and April 2009 were allowed to remain in the marketplace pending FDA approval on their substantial equivalency applications. Many of those products are still in the marketplace today because the FDA has failed to execute these applications, either up or down. So they've existed in the marketplace now for seven years, and they still are on the shelves today. Well, when they drafted our regulations, they basically said that we can have these products in the marketplace for up to two years, potentially three years if you're a company below a certain size. But if the FDA doesn't approve that application within a year, you must pull it from the marketplace. Well, that's a definite def different approach application of the very same rules. The cigarette guys got basically an indefinite license to stay on the shelves until the FDA did something, whereas we basically have a you have to pull it off the shelf if we don't do anything. So these are the type of issues that are percolating that there will be legitimate legal challenges on. This is going to be a long, drawn-out battle, and... I just, it's a very serious situation. It has a great impact on all of us. But at the same time, I don't want to fall into the vortex of being ridiculous or hyperbolic about it because then you just kind of, it's like screaming fire, fire, fire. You know what I mean? So, I well, want there's a lot of people making believe it's not even happening. And there is the other problem. It's yeah. kind of like if you don't say how bad it really is, then you got people just believing it's not really going to happen. Yeah. Things are really, really happening. They definitely are. Okay, but there, there is, there's a long way to go, and there's going to be a lot of steps in this. There's going to be a lot of legal challenges. There's going to be a lot of guidance that we still need to seek from the FDA. There's going to be litigation involved. There's going to be points where we ask consumers to please contact their representatives and ask them to vote a certain way or encourage their senators and congressmen to vote a certain way. And these are all little steps that are all necessary, hopefully to reach some sort of reasonable application of the regulation. Look, I'm not, I'm not Pollyannish. We are going to be regulated. There are going to be user fees. There are going to be warning labels. I understand this. What we want is we just want a framework that makes sense 
and is applicable to our businesses and allows for adult consumers to continue enjoying handmade premium cigars without these ridiculous, absurd laws that really serve no public health benefit, serve no purpose other than driving small, independent family businesses into the ground that only protect the big tobacco companies. And I think that's the thing that I find so sinful about this whole thing. Mm. Everything about this bill and the way it's being implemented and executed is, has nothing to do with public health and has entirely to do with protecting big tobacco. And that is the reason why it originally got through the Congress because you had two opposite ends of the spectrum. You had the anti-tobacco people and you had the big tobacco people both happy about the way this yes. was going to work for them. Well, you said, it, you said it. A lot of people don't want to say it, and I believe that's the truth also that's happening there. Now, the majority of people that listen to the show are consumers, and, um, you know, frankly, it, they're going to smoke cigars no matter what. It's not going to affect them in a major way, they think. But I want to let the consumer know that you mentioned the word user fees. Yes. User fees is what's going to affect you. Yeah, but the user fee isn't going to be – again, the user fee is based on the previous FDA model – not the FDA, the USDA uh, model for the tobacco bio program. Yeah. Again, looking at the numbers, I don't think that's going to be a dramatic cost increase to the consumer. I really don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's all depending on the number of units and what our share is. And, I mean, it could literally come out to be as little as a quarter a cigar for consumers. So it may not be the big – now, we won't know until we really get right. the details. Well, we're seeing companies already raising prices based on it. I understand. You had your former company go up 3% on their product. Yeah, but, let's, but I don't think that has anything to do with the FDA. 3% is a traditional price increase that's just necessary to keep up with the operating inflationary cost of dealing in a third world country where economies are booming. So I, I don't think the 3% is, uh, is an issue. Well, you, I'll tell you, you what you, I think has Davidoff a, went up a buck, uh, about a buck a, a stick. Well, God bless Davidoff. I'm glad they can get Not it. Not on everything, on a few skews, okay. some of the newer stuff. I mean, I think that's... Well, and the interesting thing on the newer stuff is the newer stuff, you have newer stuff. You have built your company based on what you know you need to end up having uh, to survive right. on your new product. And here it is, a, a new user fee. You have to pass that on. Uh, right. Uh, look, anybody... Look... Eventually, one way or the other, whatever a true cost is, a cost of good, yes. a cost of manufacturing, a cost of supplying anything to the marketplace, that cost will eventually be bo borne by the consumer. He will bear that That's cost. It. I just want to make will, that point to the, the consumer that says it doesn't, it's not going to affect well, me. I'll tell you I the, have to let them know that there is an I'll tell effect. you where it could dramatically affect them if the substantial equivalency pathway isn't reasonable, if it costs some absurd amount of money. Okay, and when I say absurd, it doesn't need to be like a crazy number because most of these little brands, if they have to put in twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars to get a brand through, uh, to stay in the marketplace, most of these small boutique cigar companies, they do not do the volume of sales that people think they right. do. Very, I very mean, small. Uh, in our, in the handmade cigar business, uh, talking as an executive of two previously of two very large companies, a brand that does a million dollars in gross sales is a very legitimate brand in the in the handmade premium U.S. cigar market. And there are very few brands that exceed the million-dollar threshold. There's not as many as people think. There are a lot of brands on the shelf that are highly regarded, that are beloved by consumers, that literally do $180,000, $190,000 a year in sales. Oh, and, and so when you have a brand like that, if the pathway costs $40,000-plus to keep in the marketplace, well, there isn't $40,000 in profit right. and $190,000 in sales. 
I mean, it just simply doesn't exist. So then it'll become a question of, well, hey, I can't even keep it in the marketplace because there isn't enough money. And that's the thing that I think is going to be the most damaging to the individual consumers is that this is going to basically narrow their choices and their selections and their options, which is really a travesty. And I think that it's going to make the landscape very gray long term. But again, until we see the true costs and how they execute and how they implement, we don't really know. We have Steve Saka here, Sober Mesa Cigars. We're smoking the new Short Churchill. What is your thought on this? I think it's getting, it stayed at least at the 8.5 in strength. To me, flavor-wise, it did start off. I, I, I understand where you were going with it. It was early aggressive. Yeah. It has Still calmed has. down as far as the aggression. Yeah. And I would put it at a solid. A lot of body to medium it. Medium plus. Yeah, a lot of body. All right, we're going to take thick the smoke is. It is. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Steve is going to talk about uh, another new brand he has coming out, and we'll. Uh, this car is uh, good. Oh my god. <laughs> um, Beep. We're going to dig into his fascination with mistresses, with his wife being right here. Uh, 70s R&B queen of funk, Shaka Khan. What is his association with that? Confused yet? Stick around. We get lots more when we return. You're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Radio Network. Perfecting a seed for over 40 years takes skill. Then again, so does growing a perfect beard. Take it from Matt Booth, member of Camacho's Board of the Bold and the owner of the infamous Room 101 brand. The Camacho Corojo is hand-built from authentic Corojo seeds, built for the expert palate and fine-tuned for maximum flavor impact, consistency, and quality. There was a time when cigars were the hallmark of elegance and success. In this time gone by, the aficionado would revel in opening a beautiful box, only to find their favorite celebratory smoke emblazoned with a heritage-laden band. It's time to put the bundle down and travel back to this golden age. For your voyage, may we humbly suggest the only cigar worthy of being packaged in a handmade marble box. Berlin Wall Series from Hammer & Sickle. Live well. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm-hmm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper, fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the Diamond Crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium diamond crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or diamond crown lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co., or visit diamondcrown.com. You've heard us over and over again talking about the brands who advertise on the Cigar Authority show. Now here's your chance to try them all in samplers we call the Sponsors Deal. The Sponsors Deals are just that. Deals from the cigar brands that support the Cigar Authority. To see this week's Sponsors Deal, which not only run out every week, but is always limited. 
Just go to thecigarauthority.com and on the right-hand side, simply click the Sponsors Deal to see what this week's Sponsors Deal is. Please help the brands that help us bring you the Cigar Authority. Our friends at twoguyscigars.com will get it out for you, and you'll be getting a great deal while helping those who help us. The Sponsors Deal from the Cigar Authority sounds like a win-win-win to me. And we're back live from the La Flor Dominicana Cigar Studios. You're listening to the Cigar Authority, a weekly broadcast now over six years running about cigars and the nonsense surrounding them. We're back with owner and founder of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, Steve Saka. Welcome back, everybody. Steve, you have a, uh, another cigar we're going to light up in the next hour. And uh, Mi Carilla. You can't get that right. Mi Carilla? Mi Carida? Mi Carida. Mi Carida. Mi Carida. Was that what the guy on, um, not the Munsters, the other one, Adam's family used to call his... Uh, Morticia? Morticia? Yeah. Yeah, he yeah okay. Mi Carida, Mi Carida. Yeah. Oh, my love. Okay. <laughs> Never knew what that meant, but yeah. that was his mistress, which was his wife. How, how is that possible? How is your mistress your wife? Well, first off, you have to understand that, like all Spanish, it kind of depends on what country you utter the words in. Okay. So, mi querida directly translates to my dear. That's the oh, literal okay. translation of what mi querida means. In Nicaragua, where the cigars are made and where I spend you know, the bulk of my time in Latin America, it's, uh, it has a different reference. Mi querida is not just your mistress. Mi querida is your... Uh, just to put it bluntly, she's your piece on the side. Yeah. That's what she is. I mean, she's, she's the one that's a little dirty, a little sexy, a little sultry that you just you pine for. That's your mi querida. Well, I love the <laughs> name. And saying it that way, that is a cigar to a lot of people. I mean, that is a great name. How did, nobody, how did nobody ever use that before? How did nobody ever come up with Sobra Mesa? Right. I'm in an industry of idiots. Right. <laughs> I'm a little upset because I People, thought it had to do with leather and dungeons. And well, that could be your Miquerida. You can pick. I if mean, you're into that. Yeah, I mean, there's what are you no into? reason. I mean, that's the point. But this, this is somebody's little piece on the side, right? A, this, a nice uh, cigar? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Especially for the, for the wood. So it's definitely not your wife. No, no. You know, it, it has double meaning to me. Um, obviously, for me, cigars are my mistress. I mean, anybody that knows me knows that cigars are part and parcel of my life. That's a given. The other thing, too, is it's in some way a little bit of a reference to, to my last broadleaf blend. You know, my last broadleaf blend was very refined and, uh, you know, beautifully packaged and uh, was my wife. So if that one was my wife, well, then this one would be mi querida. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a little, little more base, a little more dirty. So you, you know, blended this specifically for you. This is your flavor profile. Well, look, Sobra Mesa is my flavor profile. Anything that I make, I like. Well, Sobra Mesa was, you said before, was your flavor profile, but then you needed to kick it up a notch, so now you have a second Sobra Mesa. Yeah, well, I mean, why does anyone smoke just one cigar forever and ever? I mean, Some people no, do, but I it's mean, wrong. I, I, it's, I, it's I wrong. Like, I mean, part of what makes cigars interesting is the variety, the different flavors and textures and nuances. And, you know, different moments demand different cigars as far as I'm concerned. So for me, I mean, you know, I, I like mild cigars, too. I mean, I like, uh, I like cigars across the spectrum as long as they're done well. For me, Broadleaf has always been a personal love of mine. I've always liked that kind of dirty, kind of gritty kind of style of cigar. And that was why when I joined Drew State, we ended up making the Liga Privadas because 
I always wanted to make a more refined version of that style of cigar. And that's ultimately what Liga Pravada ended up becoming. This is more kind of a retrenchment back to those cigars that I was kind of in love with in the late 80s. You know, that used to be made by a cigar maker named Frank Yanesa. He used to make a lot of very good broadleaf cigars out of the Villazon factory in Honduras. And it's kind of more of a return to a little bit, like I said, it's a little bit rustic. It's a little bit dirty. It's a little bit, uh, it's a little rough. And I like it a little rough. There we go. Any thought if, let's say, that you could flip a switch and the FDA thing goes away, do you have, have you ever had a desire to make cigars in another country other than Nicaragua? Um, no. Not particularly. I mean, listen, um, as far, look, I'm biased. And there's plenty of great cigar makers everywhere. But I, I really do believe in what's happening in Nicaragua. I believe that the very best handmade cigars today, the more interesting cigars, are coming from Nicaragua. I think the more talented factories are in Nicaragua. I think you have direct access to more interesting leaf in Nicaragua. You don't find us traveling to so many of the other cigar-making countries and buying a lot of their tobacco. They're all coming to our country to buy tobacco at this point. And I'm not saying there aren't ingredients that are of interest, but they're just far more of interest in Nicaragua. And you also find, you know, the agricultural boom in cigar tobaccos is occurring in Nicaragua. And it, and you and have it has wide... in the past 10 years, so is that going to be, be a problem? Because a lot of those possibly yeah, could go it could away, be, right? Look, it's, look for, sadly, when you look at a great company like my father, I mean, many of their products are regretfully in the same boat as a brand like Sobra Mesa. Right. And you've got a man who has invested everything he possibly could have into building a beautiful factory and making 50,000 handmade cigars a day in a wide variety of brands. You've got the same situation with A.J. Fernandez. I mean, a ton of his products are post-2007. Many of what are regarded today as the best cigars in the marketplace are post-2007 right. products coming from Nicaragua. So, yeah, it's, it's, this is the part that's so terribly upsetting about the situation. Do you plan to move your sales to overseas at all to help offset some of the Well, I mean, potential. listen, we're going to start offering uh, Sobra Mesa internationally this year. Um, it's already started uh, showing up in various international markets oh, because good. you have to establish market presence before you can do uh, registration in many of these foreign countries. But ultimately, that's not really a, a strategy. Um, the bottom line is Americans are the ones that smoke handmade premium cigars. Americans consume Three-quarters of all the handmade premium cigars in the entire world are smoked by American citizens. So the rest of the world is just one-fourth of the marketplace. So really, the market is us. We are the ones. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we have open, fair market competition. We have very fair pricing. You take, uh, you take a Fuente 858 that you go to any retailer in the country. is on the shelf for 8 bucks in a reasonably tax-structured state. Uh, when you go internationally, that's now a $19 cigar. You know, uh, a cigar like a Liga Privada is a $47 cigar in some markets. I mean, so it's really something that you have to be genuinely a swell to participate in, where in America, we enjoy the luxury of being able to relax at the end of the day for something that essentially costs what two beers would cost. And that's, and that's one of the reasons why. We're, we're, we are a cigar-smoking culture, and the rest of the world, they smoke mass-market machine-maids. They smoke dry-cured cigars. The amount of premium handmade cigar, wet-format-style cigars that are consumed worldwide are, are very, very small. Now, maybe that market will grow, 
but I don't know the way the prices and the distribution channels work. It's going to be a very long road to hoe to ever get those markets to buy as many cigars as American consumers smoke. So your simple packaging that you have on there is that part of um, a little bit of rush, or you wanted that simple, no, I, simple look? I, I went with a really understated, simple package because I really wanted every single penny to go into the cigar. Mm. I wanted to try to make the cigar as reasonably priced as possible. So essentially, all the core sizes, the Robusto and Toro and uh, the Muy Gordo Grande, which is a 6x56, they're all under $10. They range from 8 to about nine fifty a piece. And part of that was me just going with a very, very understated, simple. And you consider it's a, it's a very plain Jane package. Yeah. Nobody's going to be buying this cigar for the box. I can tell you that right now. The only place I actually really pissed away a little bit of money was I made a very nice cigar ring for it. I spent about an extra penny. So at the retail counter, you're basically being charged uh, two cents more than you should be. But I figure you're holding it in your hand for two hours. So at least you could have a pretty band to look at. But, so this is the first time I'm actually looking at the band. But it, it reminds me a little bit of the band you have now, the, the color combination of it. it. It says it belongs in the same family to me. The um, zigzag on the top or crown or whatever you want to call the, um, the cut of it. Uh, nice. It's got an elegant look to it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a pretty ring, but who cares? I mean, no, you're either going to like it or you're not going to like it. The band isn't going to be a reason why anyone buys the damn thing. The thing I noticed Dark-coded. when I was seeing you post pictures of it on Facebook, what, I couldn't see the detail that's in the blue part of the band. It looks almost like a, a, a bandana type oh, of design. A I, leather texture. Yeah, it looks, yeah. looks good. Yeah, it's kind of unique. I always wanted to play around with this uh, transparent foil blocking. Yep. And, and that's what I use. And I don't think anyone has uh, ever tried to do that on a cigar band. People have tried to do things with UV spotting before. But I wanted to try this transparent foil blocking and see how it turned out. And really, you can really notice it when you're in a, an area where the light catches it. It's, it's not as easy to see here. It's, like I said, I pissed away a penny extra on each cigar band. So you guys are getting overcharged <laughs> for that. Well, it looks nice. What size is this? What format? Uh, this one here should be the Ancho Larga. It's a standard 6x52 Toro. And how many sizes altogether, you said? Um, well, courtesy of our friends at the FDA, there's eight. Um, there will be four sizes that will be widely distributed at the end of this month. There will be a 6x48 Fino Largo. There will be an Ancho Corto, which is a 5x52 Robusto, an Ancho Largo, which is 6x52, the one we're holding. And then there's a Muy Gordo Grande uh, that is going to be 6x56. A lot of people expected you to come out with a broadleaf as your first. Turn him up on his mic, Derek. Hey, he's up. Okay. So do you think this will satisfy the people that were looking for the next Liga? Um, you know, they can only make that decision. I mean, the issue for me is, you know, broadleaf takes longer to work. So it was really not practical for me to make a broadleaf cigar as my first cigar out of the gate. And the only way I would have been able to do that would have been to use tobacco that I bought from somebody else's inventory of tobacco. If I really wanted to buy tobacco that I personally chose and that I personally was involved in the fermentation of, um, it really was physically impossible to have that cigar launch last year at the trade show i needed an additional year's time so and you know and look 
uh, you can make the argument that, and if you look at it, it's not necessarily the prettiest. Um, you know, I left this broadleaf 100% naturally fermented. I added no additional heat. I added no additional, uh, you know, a set day to the wrapper to make it shinier. I added no final uh, heat room to, to bring it over, no front-end first fermentation in the Cajas. I mean, this is done traditionally. Front-end fermentation is, in the Cajas, that's That's, that's, in Connecticut that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I was going to say it. He jumped you know, down on so, that. I mean, so everything <laughs> about this is natural broadleaf, 100% through and through. And as a result, you're going to end up with wrapper colors that are a little uneven, a little streaky. And uh, I did that with a concept of that I just wanted to keep the flavor. And I wasn't trying to make a, a $15 cigar. What I was trying to make was just a really damn tasty cigar. And in the end, I treat all cigars the same. I have to make a relatively set, simple number as a gross profit in order to keep the brand sustainable. So in the end, this cigar ends up costing 8 to $9 on average. Had it turned out that it cost 11 to 12 like Sober Mesa did, then it would have been 11 to 12 Had it been possible for it to be 5 to 6 it would have been 5 to 6 You know, Ultimately, the price of the cigar is determined by what the cigar actually physically costs to make. Do you find that you are in a bit of a blending hole chasing people's expectations of Liga Pravada as you're releasing different cigars? No, only with them, not for myself. I don't, you're, you're different. You blend cigars basically for you. Yeah, and what I hope is I hope there's other people that will identify and say, wow, I like what Sokka likes, so therefore his cigars I find interesting and appealing, and I'll try them. But I, I don't worry about trying to – I don't worry about trying to please anybody but myself, period. Because in the end, I'm the one that has to live or die with the success of the brand. And trying to make something for other people, well, no, they can go make their own crap. You know what I mean? And there's thousands of brands on the shelf. You know what I mean? There's plenty of selection. And if you want a Liga Pravada, I would say buy a Liga Pravada. <laughs> that's what I would say to you as a consumer, if that's what you want. I had an interesting conversation with another cigar maker earlier in the week, and he said something about there are people that have those palates. We'll call those the 2% palates that, that can taste so much more than everybody else, and they end up making certain kinds of cigars that appeal to 2% of the population. Do you think that your palate is more in that 70% range where your palate crosses over the, the great divide between flavor profiles so that what you like and taste is what everybody would like and taste? I don't know the answer to that. I just know that it seems that when I make blends, they end up becoming incredibly popular. So like the case of Sober Mesa, I know Sober Mesa has be kind of become the de facto cigar that the guys at the Hoya factory are smoking themselves. Yeah. I know that this with Miquerida, the guys at Noxa, this is all they're smoking right now. I know that when we created Liga Pravada, Liga Pravada just kind of became the de facto cigar for the guys you know, at Drew Estate. Not that it appealed to everybody, but for whatever reason, I, I just like... I seem to have a similar palate to a lot of other people. To, to real tobacco people. Well, I don't know if it's a real tobacco people. People it's that just, work in tobacco. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Well, they, they know the quality of what it is. Uh, with, with, in respects to Liga Pavada, does Liga Pavada make the predicate date? According to Drew Estate, it does. According to Drew Estate, it does. According to Steve <laughs> Saka? I don't know any different. <clears throat> okay. That's an interesting uh, way, of, way of answering it. Very toothy wrapper. He doesn't answer any question directly. He kind of... I answer a lot of questions directly. Who are you kidding? Skirts around. <laughs> well, you're not answering that one directly. Let me ask you something. Do you get anybody that comes in this radio program 
that gives you as much information as I do. No, we do not. Exactly. <laughs> not a chance. There's not even someone that comes within 50%. No, so I find, I find when you don't answer a question, you're answering a question. That's, that's what I'm getting <laughs> I just find that uh, interesting. That Let me say this. We made Liga Pravada blends in 2006. Okay. That answers that. Here we go. Sort okay. of. I was smoking ligas in No, but don't you find it interesting uh, that he's directly answering? Yeah, he's not. He's making it a point to not answer. What I'm saying is <laughs> great. Let me say what, great. I'm, what I'm telling you is it's not right for me to talk about what other companies' brands may be predicate, may not be predicate, because it's a very sticky wicket. There's a lot of issues involved, and it would be very irresponsible for me to say, well, I think La Bajou is this, and I think La Aurora is that, and I think Liga Pravada is this. Why am I sticking my nose into their business? We all have to deal with this FDA regulation. So for me to make a supposition, is just it's just, it's just wrong for me to do so. So it isn't a Liga Pravada issue. It's just as a general rule. I got my own crap to worry about, okay? Right. So, so what's your fixation with Shaka Khan? No, no, no. It's, it's, <laughs> it's Saka Khan. Saka Khan. Saka When I was in the Navy, I was one of the – I was actually an – I was an OOD underway, officer, on, officer of the deck underway, which is normally a position that's reserved for a junior line officer, you know, uh, Lieutenant JG, where you would actually con the ship while it was underway. And I had been attached to my boat for so long that I had pretty much done everything on the boat that I could so I actually ended up asking the captain and the XO, hey, can I learn to steer the ship? Can I actually be on charge of the helm? You know, and actually do the guy spinning the wheel, but telling the guy where to spin the wheel. And so it was very unique for an enlisted, junior enlisted E5 guy to actually be the underway officer of the deck. So all the guys on the deck used to just say, Saka Khan, Saka Khan. And that's okay. what they used to call me because I was uh, taking over the con. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'd never heard that before. Yeah. I heard a lot of Saka stories, but that's awesome. Saka Khan. So that's going to be uh, one of the, is the limited releases? The, the it's going to be one of the, listen, get used to this word. Okay. Expanded distribution. Expanded distribution. And, and that is because... Well, that will mean that it was in the marketplace prior to August 2008, but now it's being sold in, multi, in, in an increased marketplace in more stores and more locations. So it's now not a new brand. It's an expanded distributed brand, expanded distribution. Okay. And I think Is there anything that you do halfway? Well, I mean, you were, you were in the Navy, and of course you had to work your way up to steer the boat. Yeah. You're in cigars. You Everybody go wants to steer the boat. <laughs> yeah, but he actually got to do it. He got to get a promotion into something he shouldn't have been promoted into because he knew enough about boat steering. I did combat officer too, CICO. Yeah. But go ahead. Just to shoot you, went from, you went from essentially one of the early bloggers right. into becoming the president of a very large tobacco cigar producing company. Uh-huh. So is there anything that you do that's just you do it once in a while and it's no big deal and you don't really learn that much about it? If you're going to do it, it, why won't you want to be the best at it, right? I don't know. Do I the just, best. Like you're the guy who would go to the gun range and then 10 years from then own your own gun manufacturing company out of your basement. <laughs> that's who you'd be. And, and pressing bullets into the, the casings. I, I, I just do what I do. I don't really think about what I do. Okay. There you go. So the, – isn't there one? It's not. It's not the Saka Khan. It's a, it's another 
limited release. I don't know another word to say. Expanded, Expanded production? Yes, but there, there's a second one that's going to be a, a tough to get one. Uh, Masusia? Masusia? Does that mean not dirty? It means extra dirty. Extra Very dirty. Very oh. dirty. Ah. More dirty. <laughs> I knew Susia literally dirty. But. Yeah, mas really means more. More okay. dirty. Really? Oh, yeah. so uno mas, no more. Yeah. All right. So the more dirty one is the... Um, it's the penis the, size cigar. It's the 7 by 64. Yeah, it's giant. Yours. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> We're smoking mine. <laughs> well, this was good. Yeah, that's <laughs> the end of that. Turn it down. No, these uh, Twinkies are talking. So is that... The, does the, the Masusia, is that um, the prostitute? Where does this have to do with girls still? What's going on here? Look, I find the whole giant ring gauge to be somewhat pornographic to begin with. So the whole thing just seems to work for me. <laughs> um, you know, look, I have to admit, this is the only size that I did not blend entirely on my own. Um, I struggled with it. I don't typically make large ring gauge cigars because I don't typically smoke them. I really struggled with getting the blend to be anything but boring as far as I was concerned. And the new master cigar maker that has taken over operations at Noxa as part of this whole renovation and reclamation of the factory. His name's Raul Diesla, and he was integral to assisting me with helping to finish that blend. I was not particularly successful on my own, and he taught me some techniques of how I could better position the leaf and that the proportioning of the leaf in a way that was different than what I would have assumed, which ultimately helped to make the cigar very, very good, which I really hate because I really don't like the size, but it turns out the cigar is very good. So uh, it's, it's kind of a little so, bit of a... So I heard that Larry Palumbo was the guy... Uh, no, Larry Palumbo was brought into Noxa. He was supposed to help them work on making some Noxa products that they would sell as Noxa, and he was working on the blending oh. of those. But that was a separate thing. And uh, Larry's a good guy, but uh, I don't know what really... I don't know the backstory to Larry... Right. Um, but he lasted like uh, he was there for a couple of weeks and then I, uh, he's gone. No kidding. Yeah, so he, he did not end up staying. Um, I think he just decided it was just too much work and too difficult at this stage of his life that he was going to have to uh, oh. spend all this time in a miserable third world country. Okay. You know? he, was in, he, he was in Honduras. I you, admit Honduras. Before. Yeah, you have to, you'd have to ask Larry. I, I don't okay. ultimately I, know. I found it very interesting. Anyway, anyway uh, thank you. We're going to light the cigar up in the next hour, but thank you for uh, giving it to us and, and giving us a first shot at it. Um, good luck. Uh, at the trade show. You had a wonderful one last year. I expect nothing uh, but even better this year for you. Uh, when we come back, uh, remember we asked you to take a picture. Hashtag TCA Boom. Uh, and put it on the Cigar Authority Facebook or anywhere on Twitter and Instagram. We're going to pick our four favorites and pass out a five-pack to our choices who we thought we won and why. We got Cigar News and uh, a new cigar from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust that we're going to light up in the next hour. You're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Radio Network. And if you ultimately happen to be smoking your Sober Mesa Short Churchill, always remember to keep the lid end out of your mouth. That was for you, Sean. I finally found a cigar magazine that I like. No, no, love. It's called Cigar Journal. What's so great about Cigar Journal is that it's all about cigars and none of the nonsense that you see in other magazines. It has stories, reviews, and the latest news about premium cigars. You're going to be impressed. Cigar Journal has beautiful images, great editorials, and it's strictly for the cigar enthusiast or 
Get this? Passionado. Cigar Journal covers cigars in the U.S. and around the world and is printed right here in the USA. Cigar Journal, available at your local cigar retailer and on the web at www.cigarjournal.co. That's cigarjournal.co. Savor this moment, the sparks of conversation, the anticipation of that first draw. Savor the story shared over a cigar like this, a cigar that makes this moment classic. The Avo Classic. Savor a composition of handcrafted Dominican leaf, graced with notes of 25-year-old tobacco. Richly complex, yet remarkably smooth. Savor a harmony of creamy, balanced flavors. A duet of two cigar virtuosos, jazz and cigar legend Avo Uvesian and master blender Hendrik Kellner. A cigar meant to be shared with friends old and new. The Avo Classic. Savor every note. Visit your local tobacconist or see the complete Avo line at avo.com. Founded in 1989 by Mariana and Nestor Miranda, Miami Cigar & Company proudly celebrates their 25th anniversary with the release of their flagship brand, the Nestor Miranda Collection. Made in Esteli, Nicaragua by Don Pepin Garcia, the collection is available in three distinct wrappers aimed to please even the toughest critic. Nestor Miranda Collection. You only get one life. How will you live yours? In 2013, Boutique Blend Cigars released Aging Room Quattro, which was the number one cigar in the USA that year, according to Cigar Aficionado. Now, Raphael Nodel, the man behind the Aging Room Small Batches, has released La Boheme. La Boheme is a line that unites Raphael's three most important passions in life. Music, Cuba, and cigars. But perhaps the most unique part of creating La Boheme is the way in which Raphael blended this masterpiece. As a Cuban immigrant who came to the USA in a little boat when he was only 15 years old, Raphael had many memories of his native Cuba, but none as strong as the aroma of the Cuban cigars his grandfather used to smoke every day in that little park next to his house. Raphael blended countless combinations of different tobaccos and had other people smoke them. He would sit back and savor the aromas until one particular blend finally matched his memories. The same aroma of those Cuban cigars his grandfather smoked. La Boheme, a Dominican cigar with a Cuban soul. This the crowd is standing on his feet here at Augusta. Is the Cigar Authority. Where are your badges? The Authority. We ain't got no badges. On everything cigar. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. With your host. Ho, ho, slow down there, speed racer. David Garofalo. Put that coffee down. Coffee's the closes only. Mr. Jonathan. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. Barry Stump. That guy in a little coat. That guy in a little coat. Don't. <laughs> and Chuck. Morrison. I went to magic camp. I'm an accomplished ventriloquist. Oh, I am a seventh degree imperial yo-yo master. <gasps> it's time to light them up. We use words like honor, code, 
loyalty. It's time. I would rather you just said thank you. For the Cigar Authority. Yeah! And we are back with our number two, broadcasting live from the LaFleur Dominicana Cigar Studios today, high atop a two-guys smoke shop in Salem, New Hampshire. Hashtag TCA Boom is going on. We were give, giving away four to four lucky listeners, a five-pack of the cigar that totally sold out in a short period of time. We'll tell you who we chose and what's up in the cigar world, and we'll get a little debonair as we do so. Welcome back, everybody, to the Cigar Authority. And you're listening to the Cigar Authority, the only radio show in the U.S. and, yes, the world that is always broadcast on location. And we are the only show that doesn't just allow smoking. We insist. We demand that you light up along with us. You tune in at thecigarauthority.com, where you can watch us live or catch the podcast on demand at any time. Simply find us on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, or podbean.com where you can set it and forget it. I have in my right hand the hostess Twinkie. This is, you know we had it yesterday, right? I was with Paul Beasley yesterday. We had the hostess Twinkie. We went for the pack of hostess Twinkies, which this is the full box. This is the big boy right here, uh, courtesy of Vinny here that gave us the Twinkies. Uh, what's different about the full box is when you get it, it doesn't have the cardboard on the bottom where it sticks to the, and then you lick the, the what it's stuck off of, um, which may be a, a better choice this way that we don't lose some of it, not that we, we lose it because we go to it, Barry. I like licking the cardboard. Yeah. You I have no ca- problem licking it. It, 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 has, <laughs> it has a flavor to it. You got to lick it before you stick it in your mouth. There we go. Oh, Barry. Yeah. Always, always goes there. It, it has the patented uh, three holes at the bottom yeah. where, where it is injected with the delicious cream. Mr. Jonathan chose not to be part of it. What it, I chose to go with is this wonderful piece of broccoli. The natural broccoli. Raw. Oh, yeah. Terrible. That's what I'm talking about. So it, it is uh, a little sweetness. Beautiful it golden the, color. Yeah, it's the Pelo de Oro of <laughs> the 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 um, snack, snack, food? Snack, snack food. The cake world. A lot of people don't use this because it's susceptible to mold, but it's not because it actually lasts forever. Uh, the hostess Twinkie. I believe this and roaches are the only thing that can survive a nuclear holocaust. Actually. So my belief is the more you eat of this, the longer you will last. Yeah. And I think it's the opposite of that. So you break it in half? You don't just, like, bite it? You bite it, you rip it in half, and just savor it. It it stays fresh for a long period of time. (sighs) This is the world I live in. Thank you. Thank you, Vinny. It has a bready and creamy note to it. It's very smooth. I think they use the yellow number five in this. Which is the tastiest one of all, the no- way better than the number four. Yellow five. The yellow five. It is the best. Yellow. Nothing. Mr. Jonathan won't even play with it. I'm not going to eat it. I'm not taking a bite. I'm not tempted. It's gross. You don't know what it, you're missing. Yeah, it is delicious. I ate Twinkie before. I'll stick to my broccoli, thank you. The Twinkie. Fantastic. So good. And it's good to have a little sugar in between two fuller-bodied cigars. You want a little sugar in between. I only like the crown of the broccoli. I don't really like the, the stem. stem part. Yeah. I'm not a stem guy. So that's it? Just eat the flour. Right. Which is the only part of the tobacco plant you don't use, the flour. The well, most beautiful part of it, throw it away. It's the only part of the uh, broccoli that you should eat. Yeah. Mi carida. Mi carida. Carida. Mi carida. I have it uh, phenolic, phonetically, phonetically, phonetically spelled. Phonetically, yeah. Uh, Mi Carita, my mistress. 
Barry, what little did we learn about this? Well, it features a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper over Nicaraguan binder and Nicaraguan fillers. Courtesy of the FDA. Courtesy of we the don't FDA. want to get too specific over right. here. Now yeah. everybody is giving, and, and, and um, Steve is someone that likes to give every, every detail. detail. Unless you ask him a question about something, in which case he gives you no details well, whatsoever. There's a reason behind that, I think. I think there is. I mean, I even think he once gave us the percentages on the show. Yeah. Mm. So. so now everybody's getting vague. That's the answer to get vague. Don't give information. Give as little as possible. Um, what do they say when you get arrested? What you say can be used against, against you in the court, court of law. law. Yeah, plead the and fifth. This, and this is the way it is. Okay, let's give it a cut and light and see what it's all about. It's time to cut our cigar, the official cutting, brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand. While all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. That's a record. That's like 10 people coming along with us live. It's beautiful. You know, I, I feel so good when it happens. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. Excellence. They do it in countries around the world. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. Doesn't matter what you're cutting. Unfortunately, this isn't part of the care package because it couldn't be because it didn't exist until mm. right now. And uh, some of our people in our audience are smoking it. You know, before you light it, if you look at the foot, it looks like a marble rye. Yeah, it is a little marble. Yeah. Yep. A little bit of pumpkin nickel, a little bit of rye. Seems bread. a little chewy. There's a little when when I cut it. You know, it's there's that little... kind of umami flavor going on in the cold draw. Tastes like the cream of a Twinkie. <laughs> does it not, Barry? Yeah, it does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hate to admit it. You but know yeah, it does. does. It's the cream of a Twinkie. For those of you who have not eaten Twinkies in you the last 20 seconds, it does not taste no. anything like the cream of a Twinkie. It tastes like a broccoli. <laughs> what is umami? It's like um, a musty teapot? quality... It's the sixth flavor. Yeah, I never got it either. Umami. I thought it that was a, on the it, menu at the sushi place. Yeah. No, it's like a, it has a, a musty, earthy, that's what that flavor is. Are you getting that? Yeah, a little yeah, bit of yeah. straw. It's, it's a, it has a milder type of pre-light draw than I was expecting. It has kind of a hay-like quality with a little bit of, tiny bit of barnyard. And it, mm. it's nice. Yeah, nice. it's, 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 far le- it's far less than um, the first cigar we smoked. Yeah. Okay. All right, we're going to light our cigar today with the Vertigo Cyclone 2 featuring the double large or double wide big-ass tank. You've got an oversized adjustment wheel at the bottom, three jets, easy open flip top, fourteen ninety nine for the Vertigo, Church, uh, Vertigo Cyclone 2. Fourteen ninety nine. Great lighter. Once it's lit, there's a lot of pepper notes through the nose. Oh, I can't wait for that. I think you should retrohale. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not retrohaling another Nicaraguan cigar as long as I live. I almost died. It seems cleaner than the Sober Mesa. Uh, smoother. A little campfire action right off the bat. Yeah, it's less aggressive. Campfire than means that's a better way of putting it. Yeah. Eggnog. Campfire I was expecting eggnog. it to be more, and it's less. I'm happy to say. That last cigar was up there. Yeah, eight and a half. I'm with Steve on yeah. that, strength-wise. See, this is like a six. He said 8.25, just to make me wrong. You know, that's what he does. Yeah. Was, I nailed it, 8.5. Nailed it. Smoky nutmeg? Can yeah. I get an amen? 
You can get an amen. Amen. You okay. can get a hallelujah. Usually what the producer does is pushes my button that has the sound effect, that has a harp playing. Am I going to have to hit the crickets again? I'm going to punch you. He knows the crickets, box. There it is. <laughs> and there's plenty so of broccoli where that came from. <laughs> so Derek's, we didn't even mention, Derek's uh, pitch hitting for Chuck yeah. right now. I'm uh, here. Chuck is doing a, a Patriots thing this early? No, I think he's on vacation in the Cape. Vacation? I don't vacation. remember that being approved. I didn't even know anything about it till I, I sent the show notes over to Barry, and he said, uh, yeah, Chuck's not going to be here. I didn't have it on my list. You know I write it all down. It's probably one of those things that he said to you out here and didn't follow you uh, in to make sure you put it in your book. Got to put it in the book. So uh, speaking of in the book, um, what do we have coming up? We have next week. It, are you going to be here next week? Yeah. You are? Uh, we got the big list. The big list of new cigars for 2016. And let me tell you, we have a big list. Huge. We're never going to get through all of it. So we're going to pick the highlights of the big list. Normally, we'd go through the whole big list. But we're talking about five, six hundred, eight hundred from General Cigar. It's 800. Biblical proportions. 800 SKUs from one company. From one company. <laughs> Which now makes sense because they're not displaying any cigars supposedly at their booth this year. It's going to be a stripped-down booth of just tables and chairs. Really? Yep, that's what I've heard from numerous people. How, no. how are they going to get people to order it if there's well, no... If they don't care, just if, one person. If FDA's walking around at 600 SKUs, they don't have to worry about displaying them all. That's interesting. And then other people cutting them out with scissors and using a um, laser printer to cut them out with scissors so they do show them. There's different theories. People have different theories of what I would, they need to I'd do. I'd be willing to bet that uh, General Cigar probably has their finger on the pulse of what is right. And that may be the answer. Well, so uh, it's going to be interesting. We're going to rattle these things off. And um, we have uh, two cigars from the care package, if you're part of the care package. If you're not, we're going to end up starting that, I believe, uh, the first week of December. Yep. Start letting people back into the care package and sell another 500 and then shut it off again at that point. Um, July 21st, which is a Thursday. Correct. It's the night before we leave for the trade show. We're going to do the show at 5 p.m., 5 to 7 p.m., a tape show for that Saturday, the 23rd. We'll do it on the 21st uh, and tell you uh, what's going on at the trade show and things there uh, and smoke something from the care package also. And just so our regular studio audience that's usually here every weekend, yes, I'm going to have a barbecue at my house just so they have some place to go. Oh, on that day. On that day, the 23rd. All right, because you know you don't have to invite us because <laughs> we won't be here. On July 30th, no Mr. Jonathan. We're going to have the IPCPR wrap-up show. We'll tell you everything that happened at that show and some of the things we saw and smoked and liked, um, and Mr. Jonathan won't. Um, the following week, again, no Mr. Jonathan, but uh, a big show. Eric Newman uh, from J.C. Newman Cigars. They've been around for over 100 years, 130 years. Um, they're introducing, finally, this is the cigar, the Black Diamond. Yeah, it's they've now been, or never. They've been talking about this for five years. I've smoked renditions of this thing as it went on. I don't know what the final thing is going to be, but the Black Diamond will not only um, be introduced at the show, we'll have it for sale. Um, it begins its world launch with us and us only. Awesome. It's awesome. now or never for there. Uh, we're running a promotion that's going on right now at, at all Two Guys Smoke Shop locations. If you buy a box of their cigars, they give you a whole bunch of uh, stuff. Yeah, there's a bunch of swag that goes swag, with Swag, but also will give a free ticket to a dinner called The Last Supper. And we're bringing Eric Newman on, 
and he's going to pass out two cigars that night. One will be the Black Diamond, which will be available for sale, but another cigar that he had is the 1845 um, Perfecto. Perfecto, but a Connecticut 1895. 1895 Perfecto, Connecticut. These cigars were made by Fuente, and the idea of this cigar was it's what he, he loves that 1845, 1895 size. Uh, Perfecto size and wanted a milder version, a Connecticut version of it. They made it for him, and they gave him 2,000 cigars. That's it. And it was just going to be a cigar for him to pass out to friends. When he did a special event, he was going to hand that out. He can never do that. That was the whole plan and the reason years of making the cigar. The cigar is complete, and he can never hand that cigar away. So this will be his first and only time ever passing that cigar. He's going to smoke the rest of them himself, whatever there is. But that night, he's uh, going to have it so you can uh, have it for free. This is the, one The dinner is free. Everything is free. All you got to do is buy a box of that cigar till we sell 60 of the boxes. And those will be the 60 people that come to this event. As a regular person, yep. you can give your friend a cigar. Yes. But because Eric owns a cigar company... Cannot. If he has a gathering in his house and he wants to let his friend smoke out of his personal humidor, he can't do it? I think he can at your house. I don't think he could ever do it at, <laughs> at a, a place. retail environment, yeah. he can't do it. Or at his office or me as one retailer. You know, I go into his office and he says he's not, not going to be able to give me a cigar. The rep who comes in and says, oh, we have this. Well, they can't give their rep cigars. I get that right. part. I get that part. I just I find that to be a little weird. It, it happens in the cigarette business, just so everybody understands. Nobody's handing a pack of cigarettes out uh, to a retailer and or a retailer to a consumer. Well, the mo- most of the people that run the big cigarette companies don't smoke cigarettes. They don't use their own product. Why would you? They're not good for you. Correct. You remember back in the 80s, the cigarette companies used to give out like these two packs of cigarettes on the street? Yes. In New York, always on the corners. Yeah. Lunch subway hour, stations. Subway stations. Yeah. That was a big thing. Yep. Not no more. I am pleasantly surprised that this is not knocking my head off. Yet. I'm actually liking it. There's still time. It's good. And in the hand, it feels like velvet. Yeah. Yep. There's a very soft feel like crushed velvet. Crushed velvet. Um, And we have uh, Eric Hansen from Hammer and Sickle with his new cigar coming on August 13th. We're going to have to actually buy that one because it's going to be after the date. Right. And, um, but... The packaging on that, that is a unbelievable humidor. What is that? Um, museum style? Yeah, it's a ceramic jar in the shape of the uh, the churches in St. Petersburg. Yes, yeah. So uh, that's... Uh, Savior of the Blood, I believe, is the name of the church. Oh, really? The Spire. That's the word I'm yeah. looking so for. They're ready. They're ready to go with that thing anyway. Obviously, a uh, long process for that. And they're going to try to actually launch. Their idea was a different one every five years, every year, right? For five years, but they're going to do all five. That I don't know. Hasn't yeah. been mentioned. Yeah, they're going to not have to, to me. It will. Well, it's now or never. I they're, know they're still trying to figure out the price of the thing. And um, next week, Rafael Nodell from Aging Room is going to join us as we go through that big list, and uh, he'll tell us where he's at with uh, Aging Room and, and new products. And uh, bringing back some old products. I don't want to say from the dead, but old products that I haven't seen for a long time. Uh, I actually had one the other day, and I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, Ed and I uh, smoked with uh, Charlie Lopez, who's the national sales manager, who came by for some Cuban coffee, and it was pretty good. 
He was a, I, w I would say Raphael was ahead of the, of the curve on a lot of things. That um, these things, XL for Men was a big ring gauge cigar way back 12 years ago. And he had come out with that. It did not go so well, and it went away. Uh, I don't know if he kept production with it with, with certain retailers or whatever he did, um, but he was just ahead of the game. Yeah. Extra large cigars, and um, here it is coming back. So uh, we'll uh, look forward to that. But right now, let's, let's look forward to what's up in the cigar world with Barry Stein. It's time for What's, what's up? up in the Cigar World, brought to you by Recluse Cigars. You want to know what's up? Recluse Cigars is what's up. Voted the 2015 Cigar of the Year is the Recluse Amadeus Reserva Habano. Every Recluse Cigar goes through eight, count them, eight fermentation cycles over the course of two full years. They are box-pressed and rolled end to bar for a perfect draw every time. If you haven't done it yet, be sure to try a Recluse Cigar today. This week saw a few new arrivals. Well, actually, one new arrival. And it was the release of the My Father Le Bijou 1922 Limited Edition 2016. The Limited Edition comes beautifully packaged with each cigar in a wooden coffin and it features a blend consisting of the rare Pelo de Oro tobacco. No cheap date there, though. $22, no I think, $22.99 yeah. a cigar. Uh, new trademarks, J.C. Newman filed for the American, uh, complete with the art of the American in the trademark. Now, that's interesting because they have a humidor called the American. So it might be tied into that, and it might be something that wasn't trademarked, and they're covering themselves by filing the trademark. Yeah. Um, La Aurora has filed for Terra Nostra, which is interesting since it was a novel written by Carlos Fuentes. No, not that Fuente. This one was a Mexican writer. Okay. In, in industry news, Foundation Cigar Company will see the follow-up to El Wawense, distributed by Miami Cigar and Company. The new cigar tab, The Upsetters, features tobacco from Jamaica, and it will be available in eight sizes. In other Foundation news, Rick Ardito has joined Foundation as executive brand manager for the aforementioned Upsetters. That's, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, eight sizes, some Claro, some Maduro. And uh, Davidoff has appointed Isabella Koch to take over the new and critical role of Global Director of Training and Development as of September 1st. In a new position, she will further develop Davidoff's training program on a global scale and will soon see the launch of the Davidoff Academy. And that's what's up in the cigar world. What's up in the cigar world was brought to you by Recluse Cigars. The Recluse Amadeus Habano Reserva uses grade A Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, a San Andreas binder, a Dominican Lajero Seco, and Pennsylvanian Broadleaf filler tobaccos, which create a blend we call the Cigar of the Year. Recluse Cigars is What's Up! So lots of things happening in the rumor mill. Lots of rumors going on. Barry, don't want to go anywhere near this? No, I don't want to go anywhere near it yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had talked a little about uh, Miami Cigar a little while ago. and uh, Spill the beans. No, we've got to get at least a couple of people. To, he has to get that. We don't. You know, uh, you saw that. Uh, He's on the cusp, folks. He's <laughs> on the cusp of spilling the beans. If I, I, I want to say harder. that you, you saw Nick Melillo. Making a, uh, making a product. Actually, this new product that he's making is made in an undisclosed factory. So you don't even know who's making the cigar. And instead of distributing it through 
Illusion. Illusion. Yeah, he went to Miami Cigar to end up doing that. And Rick Ardito is in charge of it at Miami Cigar. At Miami Cigar, at right? Miami Cigar. So who do you think Rick Ardito works for, Miami Cigar? Rick Ardito uh, started Drew Estates with Jonathan Drew. No kidding. Yeah, he was at the very, very beginning of that and the whole acid, beginning of the acid brand. So connect dots, start start thinking about uh, what could possibly be happening here, and, and maybe this is how... Could, somebody connected. Could some somebody be looking to buy a distribution company? I don't know. What? I mean, for all intents and purposes, Miami Cigar is a distribution company. Yeah, but why they would... They distribute La Aurora. They distribute now uh, Nick Melillo's new cigar. Oh, I thought you were inferring that perhaps Nick Melillo was looking to buy a distribution company. and Maybe I didn't know he has he was... an interest in it. Maybe he doesn't with somebody else. I'm not going to say anything else. I didn't know if he, uh, that he was rolling that deep. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Uh, what do you think? It, it is by far the most barbecuey cigar I've ever smoked. When Saka came out with Sober Mesa, this is what I expected his first cigar to be. Yeah. Why Sober Mesa is good, it's different than anything Saka has done, in my opinion. And you think this is similar to something he's and done in I the past? And I think this has roots to something he's done in the past. It just I has think that this flavor. is what people which may look which for. may or may not have the predicate date of two thousand seven. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, it may or may not. Yes, it may or may not. It's Every, exceptionally it, smooth. Yeah. It's getting a little strong, I, I think. I agree. It's building. An, I was very, very happy that it wasn't as tense as it was. This one's building up. That, and that one built up, too. It started very strong and got even stronger. I thought the other, that the other one, yeah. the Sober Mesa, calmed down a little bit. But you know what? Once I stood up, I felt the strength. I got to smoke most of that cigar because Steve does most of the talking. Yeah, he does. He I talks. still have half of it left. I was impressed with how, burnt, how long it burned. Mm. It was a long burn The short Churchill was yeah. a slow-smoking cigar. Yeah. It's a Robusto. Yeah. It's a Robusto. Yeah, it's a three, three ring gauge short of a regular 50. I, th I would call it a Robusto, but short Churchill. It's just confusing. Wouldn't like it be nice we don't have enough weird names out there. Yeah, there's crazy names. Um, okay, well, we have Chuck uh, doing the uh, we believe debonair that way. We yes, have he Charles loaded in. We do. Oh, all right, so I let's do that. It. While you're enjoying life to its fullest, it's important to be debonair. How to be more debonair and gentleman-like is Gentleman Chuck Morrison. Do you need a gentleman? Gentleman. I'm a gentleman. You need a gentleman? <laughs> you wouldn't want to call me gentleman. Ladies, fasten your seatbelts, switch on your electronic devices, and pump up the volume. You need a gentleman? And this is The Gentleman's Way. It's brought to you by Debonair Cigars and Rum. Debonair Cigars provide its clients with suspension of reality time spent smoking a debonair can never be subtracted from one's life today gentlemen the debonair way to arriving there's only one way for a gentleman to arrive and that's early for if a gentleman is not early he is late every time take for example a party starting at 5 p.m with dinner scheduled at 6 what time should a gentleman arrive early yes but how early? 
The rule of thumb here is 15 minutes. So for a party starting at 5 p.m., a gentleman should arrive at 4.45, and upon arrival, always ask if there's anything he can do to help out. The 15 minutes early rule also applies to appointments, dates, weddings, and really is the minimum amount of time for a gentleman to be early. Because honestly, fellas, can you ever be early enough? No. The answer is no. That's the gentleman's way. It's brought to you by Debonair Cigars and Rum. The question always is, gentlemen, are you debonair enough? I can say everybody in Latin America is not debonair. Correct. Nobody's Everybody's late. It's Everybody's terrible. Late. It's terrible. And when you, when you show up 15 minutes early and say, is there anything I can do to help, that's because she's late. Oh, yeah, she doesn't have it already. Yeah. She doesn't happen at my that. house. No? <clears throat> We're ready. So when you say barbecue is it the taste of the barbecued food, or is it the barbecue itself cooking over the, over the, over the coals? I'm talking about you get a brisket, and you, you break off some of the burnt ends. So you have a little bit of the rub in there, and you also have the smoke from smoking it for an extended period of time to get it to be that color. That's what I'm talking about. I want you to retrohale this because it's not a huge hit of pepper through the nose. I just tried a little bit. Try a little more. It has a really good flavor. It's not peppery like the first one was peppery. It's right, be. right. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody can it's every it. time. Yeah. That's it. That is the last time that I'm retrohaling a Nicaraguan cigar. <laughs> a little bit of jalapeno on the retrohale. Yeah, there's definitely pepper on the retrohale. It was a dirty trick, Derek. <laughs> You're a rookie. You shouldn't be messing around <laughs> like that. Hey. It's good. I like it. I, I'm surprised yeah, this, that I like it. This this cigar, I, I, for some reason, just picture myself just lounging in the backyard with this thing hanging out my mouth and just puffing away. It's barbecue it's what, with, with charcoal. Yeah, charcoal barbecue. Definitely the old school barbecue. Yeah, not the gas grill. Yeah, this isn't a gas grill barbecue. No, you don't get good burnt ends that way. You need the smoke. There's a nice aroma too. Mm. It's good. Uh, let's go to uh, take a sneak peek into the Asylum to see what our friends from Asylum Cigars are all about today. I had it. I'm getting there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> all take right, ready. Here we go. They're coming to take me away, ha-ha. They're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha. To the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time. And I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats. And they're coming to take me away, It's time for news from the Insane Asylum. Odd and sometimes historic news stories that are too insane to be true, or are they? Brought to you by Asylum Cigars Take No Prisoners. Asylum Cigars are truly flavorful, medium-bodied Nicaraguan cigars with sizes ranging from 4x44 to the absolutely insane 8x80. That's right. That's Asylum. So what would you guess, boys, is the... uh, Exercise form that Americans do the most. Sandwich curls? Crunches. I would say probably uh, 12-ounce curls. 12-ounce curls? Dave, you are the closest right now. A new study by the National Health Institute shows that Americans get most of their exercise while drunk. Ah! The most common Uh types of drunk exercises include overzealous dancing. Yeah. Guilty. Walking to a buddy's house to smoke weed. Climbing your local water tower. 
I've never done that drunk. Uh, stage diving and wandering around aimlessly trying to find a sober friend to drive you home. Drinking to excess has now become one of the most healthy activities that we do in America. More calories get burned in a one-night bender than an entire week of sobriety. That's insane. That's <laughs> asylum. They're coming to take me away, ha-ha. They're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha. To the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time. And I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats. And they're coming to take me away, ha-ha. Not the perfect sober mesa burn. Is that because Broadleaf is not going to burn as per... Younger. It's younger. Uh, not to pick it apart. Very good. Surprisingly good flavor. Uh, it is building in strength, though. I mean, it's almost, it's almost hitting with that uh, short Churchill. This is the Mi Carida. Mi Carida, my mistress. Can you roll just one R? Carida. 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 Close enough for government work. Poor Peter Hudson. How many cigars in the box? Twenty. So under two hundred dollars a box. Under two hundred dollars a box because they're under ten dollars per cigar. Right. Eight, eight to nine fifty. Eight dollars to nine fifty. Yeah, eight bucks to nine fifty. Yep. Good. Retail friendly, we call that. It is retail, retail friendly. friendly price. I can sell this. You're gonna do good with it. I can sell it. Me Carida. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna give away four five packs of Cro Magnon firecrackers to four listeners from last week's show. We dug through them. There was a lot of them up there. You guys are creative. You did a good job, but uh, we're going to tell you which one we picked as our favorites individually. Uh, we'll dig into the mailbag. we got a classic three-way, and we're only 29 days away from Cigar Apocalypse. You're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Radio Network. The following message is brought to you by Drew Estate. Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars in the new Drew Diplomat app. Join me, Barry Stein, from the Cigar Authority on Drew Diplomat. As you know, I am quite partial to Liga Pavana Number 9 from Drew Estate. So join me for a Liga and share your experience with Drew Estate. And while you're at it, don't forget to check into Two Guys Smoke Shop on the Drew Diplomat app. Drew Diplomat is now available for the iPhone and Android. To learn more about Drew Diplomat, visit DrewDiplomat.com. That's DrewDiplomat.com. You must be at least 21 years of age or older and a resident of the United States, including D.C. To be eligible for membership in this program, other terms and conditions apply. Surgeon General warning, cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. When you light a Davidoff cigar, you set aglow the richest tradition of cigar making in the world. You release craftsmanship achieved by our investment in that most precious of commodities, time. The time it takes to create a Davidoff cigar as it passes through 600 hands before it arrives in yours. The time it takes to age and mature the tobacco which fills a Davidoff cigar, sometimes as much as 10 years. The time it takes to hand-pick, hand-roll, and then carefully hand-check each individual cigar before it is fit to wear the legendary Davidoff white band. In every second of enjoyment, there are decades of experience. In every way, it is time beautifully filled. Oh. 
Jose Dominguez, Jose Dominguez, Jose, Jose, Jose Dominguez. What the hell are you doing? I'm writing a commercial for Jose Dominguez. Well, what you should be doing is talking about how good they are. That Jose Dominguez makes millions of cigars for other people, but saves the best tobaccos and the best blend for his namesake, Jose Dominguez. Not singing a song, if that's what you think you're doing. What I am doing is creating what is known as a donut. Hey, nobody's going to take away your donut. No, a donut in a commercial is when it starts with a jingle and then the information comes in and then ends with the song again. The information is the filling of the donut. Why does everything you talk about have to center around food and usually donuts? I don't know. Listen, Jose Dominguez cigars come in four great sizes and two wrappers. The mild, buttery, smooth, natural, and the slightly bolder Maduro. And every cigar is about $5. You know as well as I do, Dave, Jose Dominguez is no $5 cigar. It's worth so much more, it's a sensational value. Okay, here's the end of the donut. You ready? Jose Dominguez. Jose Dominguez. Jose Dominguez. In 1848... In honor of the English poet Lord Byron, a cigar brand named Byron was first created. Through three centuries, Byron has gone through many hands, but today it is back with the family that first created them. Returning to the early days, now the brand, in a very limited quantity, is produced in a small factory in Costa Rica. Nelson Alfonso offers three Byron blends honoring all three centuries of Byron. Siglo 19, Siglo 20, and Siglo 21. Other cigars sit in an aging room for 60 days, but every Byron cigar sits in an aging room for a period of at least one full year, then and only then into ultra-luxurious porcelain jars and state-of-the-art cigar humitubes packaging. Sure, Byron's packaging is unique and costly to produce, but nothing else will do for a cigar of this quality and taste. Byron Cigars. Cigars of poetry. Sophisticated. Byron. It was 2010 on my 50th birthday. Nick Perdomo from Perdomo Cigars showed up in my office and honored me with a gift. It was a box of cigars. But this box of cigars was not what I expected. One I never saw before. Something without the Perdomo name on it. It was my name, Garofalo. Garofalo Cigars has my name on it, but it was blended and created by Perdomo as a gift. A gift of a brand of cigars. So what should you expect from a Garofalo cigar? Rich layers of complex flavors, but offered in a mild to medium body profile. A blend comprised of fine Cuban seed Nicaraguan tobaccos, including a triple fermented five-year-aged Connecticut shade wrapper. I'm honored to have Garofalo, my name, surrounding such a wonderful cigar. I would be honored if you would give a Garofalo cigar a try. Garofalo Cigars, an honor. Okay, we are back live from the La Fleur Dominicana studios. We got a classic three-way, some letters in the mailbag, and uh, we're going to get to uh, giving away some cigars uh, for the last time. I think this will be it unless we can manage to get something in the next couple weeks. We're not going to be able to give away cigars on the right. show. Give away humidors, I guess, things yeah. like that or whatever, but uh, blo- that's it. Can a blog site give away cigars? Nobody can give Nobody away cigars. Nobody can retailers. Yeah, nobody can. I don't think you... 
you can do it because you're in you're in business. Okay. I don't think you can. I don't think. Well, it's vague. A lot of these things are vague. So the Cro-Magnon firecracker last week, we sold that out in what? Less than eight hours. Less than eight hours, over 200 boxes of them. Yes, I managed to put a few aside, so uh, we'll do something in the future with there, but not give them away. That's for sure. We can't do that. But uh, the idea was um, hashtag TCA boom. We never did this before. Nope. Let's see what happens. It was fun. Because on 4th of July, I was looking through uh, and seeing the different pitches up there and creative stuff that there, and the idea was for us to pick our favorites. And we've given you all the answers, Barry. So uh, what have we picked? What all have right. we chosen? We'll start with ladies first. Uh, the first person was Shell USC 11 on Twitter. Uh, she answered the call for some cleavage, so she got my vote, and Did she's going to win the five-pack. <laughs> so what's her name again? Her name's Michelle, and her Twitter handle is ShellUSC11. Okay, so there's one for Twitter. So we need, we need them to send us their address. I will reach out to everybody that we are naming. Okay. Through social media? Through social media to get their shipping information. See, I think they should have to listen to the show to see if they won and send us their information. Well, they but. may be listening. You'll, you'll make it easy for us so we don't have to do that if you can do it. But you won no matter what. On uh, Facebook, uh, Rico Requelme. That uh, was my choice. That was your choice. He was, was lighting up on government property at the Everglades National Park. Loved it. Loved it. He put a couple of things out there which were all good, but this one was uh, a picture of him through his rearview mirror. Um, not rearview mirror. Side view mirror. Side view mirror uh, in a government truck smoking the cigar. Loved it. Nice. Loved it. Uh, also, Mo Barbecue on Twitter uh, was enjoying the fourth with all the makings of a barbecue and a great cigar. Um, he gets the win. And lastly, uh, Jonathan's vote in his request for get it in early, make it funny, and a bikini being involved. Yeah, with, <laughs> with the Anderson. dog. Vic with, Anderson yes. won with his dog in a bikini. He said it was the only woman that would be willing to be photographed onto social media in a bikini. And uh, he got it in early. He was the first one. Here we Perfect. Go. So those are your four winners. <laughs> Shell USA, Rico Wakwelmi, Mo Barbecue, and Vic Anderson. Congratulations, guys. There we go. So those uh, five packs, as soon as we get your address, will be sent. Is everybody in the U.S., I hope? Yes. Uh, it worked out. It uh, did? I was so worried we were going to pick somebody from overseas, but they were all in the U.S.A. All right. So that's Beautiful. good Good for the U.S.A. for 4th of July. Why not anyway? But yep. uh, thanks for playing with us. And uh, we'll tr- try to come up with creative, creative ways to, to do giveaways and things like that. But in the meantime, uh, what do you got in the mailbag, Mr. J? All right. We have the following message submitted through the Contact Us page of thecigarauthority.com. And Joe writes, I live on Long Island. Long Island. And I was interested in making the drive up to see the show live if I could. You can. I was wondering if I need tickets or should I just show up? I love the show and look forward to listening to you guys every week. Thanks. No tickets. (laughs) Vinny's here. You just show up. But he has to one-up Vinny. Vinny bought Twinkies. I think he has to bring ringdings. You don't have to bring anything. In the back, you notice the back, of, broccoli. Of, the, the back of the Twinkie pack has all the uh, other things they have, the yodels. And Sunny the, Doodle, it looks like. Sunny Doodle. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember in the, going back Little to the donuts. 80s again, child of the 80s? You remember when there was baseball cards on the back of the box? And you would cut no. out the baseball cards? Dave never read anything no. in his life. He just opened them up and ate them. I remember being in the supermarket. No, I have those. No, I have those. Oh, Yankee. I'll take him. Look at Ma smoking. My 85-year-old mother smoking. That's what she does. That's what she does. 
All right, uh, we can squeeze in a classic three-way. Uh, you up for this, Derek? No, I, heard he, I heard he cheats. He cheats? I don't cheat. I heard he cheated. What are you talking about? Right, I might sure. not write it down, but... Well, get ready to write it down. It's time for this classic day in classic history, brought to you by Classic Cigars. You've heard of epic rap battles. But now it's time for the epic battle. Wow. It's kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. For this day. Tell anyone about this, I'll kill you. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. In classic history. Is looking at you, kid. Brought to you by Classic Cigars. Nervous? Yes. All classic cigars are handmade and imported from the Dominican Republic, and every cigar is priced under, get this, under $3 per cigar. You like that, baby? Let him know where I came from, yeah! Choose any blend, including the classic Connecticut for its mild and smooth taste, the classic Maduro for its bold and spicy flavor, or the classic Cuban for its sweet, sun-grown, and nutty overtones. That's- Undertones, you idiot! Whichever classic you choose, it's a classic cigar. Available at twoguyscigars.com. That's twoguyscigars.com. Celebrate today with a classic cigar. Today is July 9th, and then Barry is still our champion? Yes, sir. Still our champion. Uh, you'll go first, and closest without going over. Today is the birth date of Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, legendary actor who won back-to-back Academy Awards for Best Actor in his roles, Philadelphia, uh, Forrest Gump. He starred in many other roles, including Castaway, The Green Mile, Saving Private Ryan. Look at this list. Apollo 13, Splash, Money Pit, Joe vs. the Volcano, and my favorite, Bachelor Party. You ever my favorite Bachelor was Party? Bosom, Bosom Buddies. Bosom what about Buddies? Big? What is it? It was in Big. Big. There's so many. Guys, unbelievable. And he becomes, he becomes the character that he's playing. You don't think of... Uh, Tom Hanks, when you think of Forrest Gump, you think of Forrest Gump when you think of Forrest Gump. He became Forrest Gump. Yeah, he's one of the greats. So, uh, Tom Hanks. 1958. 1958, he says. Derek, what do you think? Uh, I had the same thing. 58, that's okay. Uh, I have 1949. 49 for the win, Mr. J, because they're over. It was 56. (sighs) 56, so Mr. Jonathan gets a point there. And this goes to Derek. Derek, you're first. Yes. Today is the birth date of O.J. Simpson. Ooh. O.J. Juice, NFL Hall of Famer who won the Heisman Trophy and uh, best overall pick for the Buffalo Bills. He was put on trial for murder of his wife, Nicole Simpson, and waiter Ron Goldman. He was acquitted and later charged uh, after that and uh, now serving 10 long, which has been – he's got to be ready to come out, right? Yeah. It's been 2017, I believe, he's scheduled for release. Yeah. So uh, O.J. Simpson's birthday today. He's celebrating with the boys. Before I answer, yeah. do you know if they serve birthday cake in jail? I don't. Probably not. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's a is piece it a, of bread it, with a candle. Yeah, is it a big day for him over there? It might be. Yeah. We'll see. I, I'm going to go with 1961. 61, he says. Mr. Mr. Jonathan. Uh, I'm going to say 1952. 52. 1950. 1950. Guys, what do you think? It's in the 40s. He's that old. 1947. Everybody's 1947. Over. Everybody's over. And this is going to Mr. Jonathan. Today is the birth date of Fred Savage. Do you know who Fred Savage growing is? Growing pains. Yes. There we go. Was it growing pains? Yeah. Was uh, it growing no, pains? Wonder Years. Wonder Years. There it is. There it is. Gained fame uh, as a starring role as Kevin Arnold in the ABC The Wonder Years. Uh, he later became a director and credited with such films as Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Modern Family, and Broke Girls. Born today, Fred Savage. What year was he born? 1972. 72, he says. 1980. 80. 
Hold on, Google's taking a minute. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, so I'm going to go way under and say 1,900. 1,900 is way under, but Mr. Jonathan's going to take uh, 72, you said, yeah. right? Yeah. 72 will take the point. It's 76. 76. This is interesting. We have one more. Mr. Jonathan is two ahead. Two to zero to zero. Every now and then you got to throw somebody a bone. Yeah? Yeah, because you had something to do with me winning. <laughs> An exact gets you two points and holds on to your title. And this goes to you. Okay. Kevin O'Leary. No, no idea. Kevin O'Leary is an entrepreneur, Canadian businessman who founded software companies SoftKey and Star, Star Investor and Shark Tank. ABC reality TV show was nicknamed Mr. Wonderful, the undertaker by fellow Shark Tank star Mark Cuban. Do you know who he is now? Yes, I do. I don't. You still don't? No, I don't you watch You never watched it? No, I never watched it. Awesome show. He's one of two guys I'm thinking of. And they're both pretty different in age. Good luck. So I'm not sure. We'll see. This is the, this is the ball dude? The ball it's Mr. dude? Mr. Wonderful. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, so pick a year. I'm gonna guess it's not the girl. 1961. 61, he says. I'm going to go 62. 62. 1942. I don't know. Did he write that down? I, what? 1962. Doesn't matter. It felt like a Price is Right thing. Doesn't I matter. Was, it's it, 54. It, Mr. Jonathan sweeps. Three. Three. He never does that. He gets and the cowbell and everything. If you could never do that again, that'd be great. No, that's not going to happen. Anyway, so this classic thing, classic history, is brought to you by Classic Cigars. Whatever classic you choose, it's available on twoguyscigars.com. And now nationwide comes the classic cigar brand, but available here at twoguys.com. If it's your birthday, go to any Two Guys Smoke Shop location. That's Salem Seabrook or like National O.J. Simpson, for example. Yes, Come here today if it's your birthday, and we will cut and light a free happy birthday cigar. If it's your birthday after August 7th, after August 7th, come here on August 7th. Tell us it's your birthday. Show us that it's your birthday after August 7th and get a free happy birthday cigar because it's the last time we can ever give a happy birthday cigar away. That's it. So you mentioned Classic will now be available nationwide. Yes. So it'll be at the United Tobacco Booth yes, at will. IPCPR. It will. Where they can, the retailers that listen can also go by to see you. They can come see me if they want, if they want to do that. And they Jonathan can. will be there as well, I believe. That is correct. Yes. I'm also uh, at the show um, speaking a, um, in a little panel. Uh, they call it um, Lunchtime Learning Series. So at lunch... The area where everybody sits down and has lunch, it's going to be a little stage set up, and we're going to have uh, Abe from Smoke In, me. Michael uh, Herklotz will Michael be there. Michael Herklotz from He'll Nat Sherman. Right? He's moderating. And John from uh, Drapers. Drapers. Uh, so it's us four that will be up there. Do you guys really need a moderator? Is there going to be a battle? Probably to shut us up. Gotcha. You know, it's only one hour. It's time to We're going to try on. to give some, some pointers to retailers to help them. With their business. I'll be curious to see how well attended that is, if it's attended at all. If it's attended at all, whatever. Because with all due respect to the retailers listening, there's a lot of retailers that are clueless. Well, that's why they would want to go. The person that needs it the most should be there. But the fact of the matter is there will be people there, I bet. I'm going to bet. And it will be the people that need it the least. I heard only 10 retailers from New England. Really? Going to IPCPR. Well, I, I, uh, I don't know how much I'm supposed to talk. I mean, it's, we're up about 24%. Um, of badges, people signing up to go to the show from compared to last year at the same time, so many days out before, right. uh, 24% up. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. 
I think it's the most important IPCPR trade show you retailers thinking about going if you're not going to go. It's the most important one you could ever go to, and it could possibly be the last, the last one. Yep. You know, Unless uh, they move it to another country. You know, if there's no sampling going on and stuff, maybe there will be one the following year, and then everybody will see at that point, well, what the hell's the sense at that point? Now you, right now, there's a sense of going. You go every year to the TAA in Mexico. Yes. Is Mexico big enough to have IPCPR? We are the international premium cigar and pipe retailers, international. So I know we're, we're stuck there in Vegas for the next couple of years because we signed a contract to stay, so we are going to be there for the next couple of years. If they see the attendance drop... Um, there's no place probably in Mexico big enough to house us, but if the tr- show ended up dropping low, we could go to you know lots of different places, including out of the country. To I do think it. that's where the show will wind up eventually. Maybe, maybe. It's the only way you're going to get samples. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to buy a cigar. I mean, I, I I told Steve I'm on this no matter what. I'm, we're taking it in as soon as it comes in, but. Um, for the most part, you sample the cigar, you see the pricing, you make a decision. There's only so much real estate in everybody's cigar shop. Um, after this, it's going to be what, what something that doesn't sell, you get rid of, and you bring in something, try something else that's, that's, that stays on the market. That's the way it's going to go. But there will really be nothing new introduced after this nope. year, so sampling won't be a necessity. That's why you've got to go this year. There's going to be hundreds and hundreds of thousands. I bet there's over 1,000 for sure, right? Over 1,000 brands. Definitely. Biggest one yet, probably. Yeah. yeah. Biggest one that will ever be. Ever. How many of those cigars are going to have samples? And how many of those samples are going to be even worth smoking? Not to be Mr. Doom and Gloom, but... Especially if they don't have a band on them. You know, who's to say this is going to be so-and-so? But then the cigar that actually comes in on August 7th doesn't match what you smoke. Well, that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you that see happens. that, right? I've seen it firsthand. Yeah. So you, you've tried samples from somebody, and then the brand comes out. You typically, when you do a review, you don't do reviews on, on uh, cigars that uh, aren't on the market? Or you do a second review? I, or how I, do you? I try not to do a pre-release, but now that Derek's on board writing reviews, if we do do a pre-release, one of us will do a pre-release, tag it as a pre-release review. And then the other person will review the actual release. Yeah. What happens is sometimes they tweak it because they're sending these out to certain people that they want to try the cigar. And if they saw a lot of negativity or, or something ended up happening, on it, they may tweak it and, and move it up or down or whatever and make a change. Also feedback at the show. Yeah. You know, somebody comes in and goes, uh, it's not really balanced. They might go in and tweak it. I've bought stuff at the trade show before, um, not because it was a great cigar, because maybe I felt obligated a little bit to take somebody's new brand on and never received it. They actually never went to production with it. Not enough people did. They, for some reason or another, it didn't go well. We call that dodging the bullet. Yeah. And there'll be uh, probably about a thousand of those brands this year that may never see the light of day. They'll make a sale, but that, that'll be as far as it ever goes. So I wonder if there's going to be, you guys are like geeks, collectors, and things like that. I, I'm, I'm in the business of selling the product, not collecting it. But where Steve was saying some people are going to actually, you know, maybe print the band out uh, on a printer and cut it and put it on there, and those are going to be the early and ones. Is this something you would want to own? Yep. You that, that is something that I would think would be very collectible. If it's a plain printed band, 
nothing special. This is because of what's going on right, right now. It's kind of a part of cigar history in a way. Yeah. And then when those new bands roll out, that that's you they're going to be there forever. But those first ones won't. You have the originals. See, I'm going to take a different side to that argument. Having been in the industry, just because it has a name on a printed band, black and white print, and there's some companies that are famous for handing out samples like that at the show, doesn't necessarily mean it's that the right cigar. I've seen it happen. But yeah. to, to Derek's point, that band itself, that band being around that cigar, has a value as part of cigar history. I, yeah. I would say it's valuable. Yeah? I'm so not much I'm of a collector the either. Because, I, like you so see, when I see some of that, I should buy some of that stuff? Because if I mean, No, well, that, the sample that you get at the trade show is probably going to be the valuable one. I mean, Rocky does it all the time with the black and white. Uh, you know why he does so that? So people can't sell, sell it. it. Yep. Imagine that. Because there are a bunch of retailers that will go around <laughs> multiple times to the same booth and take those cigars and put them on their shelves. Oh, my God. So you as a consumer, if you see that in the cigar store, I would never buy that cigar from that guy. I would never shop in that store. That's yep. terrible. It's dirty pool. Yeah, it's not fair. But that, you're interested in having something uh, rough-looking that's Oh, yeah, something, something unfinished, something unperfect. Uh, it has, has an alluring... Facet to yeah. it, I'd and then say. years from now, the, the brand becomes popular or something. Yeah, you and then pull you, that out. yeah, exactly. Like uh, with Liga Privada, when they first yeah. started rolling out samples, they were the black and white bands yeah. printed. Some even the real old ones, handwritten. Uh, those, they're they're very sought after right now, and people go crazy over them when they see them. So in my humidor, in my office, somebody comes in, have whatever you want. I had an old Liga Privada. Written, you know, white paper with, with the letters on it, and the cigar was in there. And uh, my mistake. So, yeah, have whatever you want. And, and somebody said, oh, my God, this is a, a Liga from whatever it is. And I'm looking at him, and I said, yeah, that was before it came out or whatever. I'll have this. Boom. Mm. That was it. Did they at least finish it? I think so. Because it would not be so. worse than them leaving half the cigar there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was, Whoops. what do I do? So now they're in a different place. <laughs> but I, why I save stuff like that is I want to end up having a cigar with that person. I've seen you years do it many times. I've ended up having it and because they probably don't have one, you know. Uh, our friend Mike Cusano is up here visiting, and uh, I, the original first box Cusano that was ever made, he signed it, he wrote number one on it, and I still have it. I've brought it to his house. He's come up here with it. It's 20 years old. And each time I say, come on, it's a full box. Let's do it. Today's the day. He sold his company. Come on, today's the day. No, don't do it. Don't do it. And I still have it. What, what a more, shame. You know, you gotta, that's the guy you got to smoke it with. I got to smile. I want to say, no, no, don't do it. Okay. Take Same it. with the first 1926 out of Padron. That each time he came up here and everybody in the company autographed it. And there it was. And I says, come on, let's do it. I want to smoke with you. No, no. And he walks out of the room. Don't do it. Crazy. And finally, one day, I cracked it open with a, with a friend, customer. And uh, we smoked it. And then we smoked them all. Yeah, that happens. Now, once you crack it, it's over. Once it's, yeah. not a, once it's yep. an open box, it's open season. Yeah. What do you got in the mailbag? All right. Uh, also submitted through the Contact Us page of thecigarauthority.com. And uh, Marco writes, tip of the hat to you gentlemen. I don't know who he's talking to. There we go. Uh, enjoy what you do and try to watch each week. I'm a happy participant in your monthly box shipment. 
Really enjoyed the Julius Caesar in the recent package. Haven't smoked one before, and I can see why Mr. Jonathan said it would be his Desert Island cigar. What a great value cigars and shipping. Can't beat it. My question for you fellas is, what is your take on dry boxing cigars just before smoking them? There's a lot of talk about that, and I wonder what your take is on it. Another cigar you led me to has been the Azan Burgundy, which is a nice smoke, and I'm ordering another box today. Well, you guys, I'll dry, refer to you. Dry boxing depends on the cigar. Like, if you listen to Skip Martin with the firecracker, he felt with the closed foot that the cigar was holding on to its humidity too long. So he suggested when you first get the box, dry box one before lighting Meaning, up. Meaning, leave, leave it leave out, it don't out, put right. it in the It was too wet, too much humidity. The whole box. Wouldn't stay lit. Yeah. So he suggested dry boxing. Yeah. I've done that with Opus occasionally because those, they're really wet. Yeah. And you let them sit out a day. Day and a half. Because Helps a little. Because I talk too much, cigars tend to go out on me because I'm talking and I didn't take a drawer on it. Um, if I have samples to smoke, and you'll see that on my desk all the time, that the cigars out of cellophane that are lined up mm. on my desk for a couple of days, I'm actually drying them out a little bit. Yep. But it also depends where you live. Like, when I lived in Miami, way humid all the time. Yeah, it's not going to Sometimes dry boxing made it worse. Right, too much humidity. So, unless you put it in a box that happened to be dry. When I went to Cuba this time, and the first time I went, I complained that the cigars were way too moist. They took me into one of the humidors, and he said, you know what these are? And I said, yeah, humidifiers. And they said, no, those are dehumidifiers. Bring and I said, really? Down. And they were actually drawing humidity out in the humidor for, with the cigars that were for sale. Nice. Right in a room that you would buy yeah. cigars. Take it down, take it down out. to 70% because it's take, always 90% there. Yeah. So that's that. So what's your final thoughts on the Mi Carida? It calmed down. Mi Carida. As we got closer to the band, it was starting to get strong, and now it's back down into medium. It's got a, I've had no burn issues whatsoever. I like it. You would say medium? I would say medium plus. It, it, anyway. had, that, it had that stretch about an inch and a half that was medium plus, and I was worried it was going to get all the way up to full, but then it, it calmed down. It dropped off. This is a 75 to 80. The other one was an 85. The other one was stronger. You're talking in terms of strength, yeah. not rating. Correct. Okay. Strength. Yep. Strength wise. Very good. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, it this is, is real. definitely what I expected Saka's first cigar to be. Not that there was anything wrong with Sober Mesa. I love Sober Mesa. I love I Sober Mesa. I still smoke it on a regular basis, but it wasn't what I expected. This is what I expected from Steve Saka. All right. He got it. You expected it, and that's what you want. Saka Khan. Sakakan, Sakakan. It's awesome. All right. That's it for us. That was a quick one. You got Steve Saka here. He does a lot of talk and yeah. t- makes, the, well, makes the show go through. Thank Help. you guys for tuning into the Saka Authority. The yeah. Saka Authority. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Next week, it's the big list of new brands. Brands that will be out soon. Uh, we'll be seeing them at, uh, at IPCPR trade show uh, coming up just a couple weeks from now. Uh, this may uh, be the biggest ever. Uh, we got lots of secrets to reveal. Maybe we'll get to some of those. Um, and uh, that's it. Last call for cigars. Uh, we are just, uh, my God, it's going to be two weeks away um, when the show comes on next week. So that's going to be it. Until then, you've been listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Radio Network. And if you've learned nothing else in the past two hours, which is impossible with Steve Saka on, and you happen to be smoking your Mi Carida, always remember to keep the lid end out of your mouth.
this is Pat Whitley. Can I have your attention for a second? I want to tell you about a fellow named Dave and the fact I have been buying my cigars from him since 1985 when they first opened up. Two Guys Smoke Shop. Now, Two Guys Smoke Shop have three convenient locations right over the Massachusetts border in tax-free New Hampshire. Now, here's something I bet you didn't know. Two Guys Smoke Shop is America's largest cigar shop and has the largest inventory of cigars anywhere. Wait till you see this place. You're not going to believe it, all right? Now, if you like cigars, you can't find a better place to buy them than at Two Guys Smoke Shop. They're in Salem, New Hampshire, Seabrook, New Hampshire, and their new location in tax-free Nashua, New Hampshire. It is worth the ride. You can call 888-2-CIGAR-2. That's 888-2-CIGAR-2 or on the web at twoguyssmokeshop.com. The best place to buy cigars anywhere is Two Guys Smoke Shop. It's Stogie Heaven. With a million choices, Stogie. 